Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and our updated power rankings of liturgist co hosts. <laughs> I know what my number one draft pick's going to be. Yeah, back that shit up. Spoiler Hillary is still number one. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Brad Polly, Matt Polly, hey and together we are the Inglorious Pastors. So. Um, announcements. Um, we, uh, Pastor Stu Merton, we did a new episode this week. Um, we did Dick Pounder's I can't Grief. that's what we're calling it. Well, we also have the airing of Dick Pounder's Grief. So. Right. But oh, I need to record the response so you can release yeah. it. Um, and then we've got some new subgroups. We've got a mental health subgroup. We've got a foodie subgroup. Today I made the, the uh, television group a television and film subgroup. So... We're just, it's on fire. Everything, we're just blowing up with all the subs. Dude, the pastor's foodie, it is lit. Yeah. God, I mean, it is, is cons- it? oh, dude, it's awesome. My favorite thing in People that. People posting recipes, posting pictures of their oh, food. Oh, I need to get in on that. Yeah, I put a, uh, I, I put a picture of a, it was a, a tortilla <laughs> with Michael peanut butter down the side. Michael just wanted to watch the world burn. <laughs> and a pickle. And Michael, please tell me you didn't peanut, eat that shit. Oh, dude, I ate two a of them. A tortilla? Yeah. Two tortillas. Peanut butter pickle taco, man. It's coming to a fat bastard. Yeah. You. Oh, dude, if you guys want to do it, I like. I try I, it. I'm in. I try it. It's even better with white bread. You'll be Ew, shocked. I hate white bread. Side of mayonnaise. Can't do white bread. Dipping in some mayonnaise. Ew, Stop. I'm kidding God. about that. I'm kidding. Uh, so you lost me there. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, do we have any other announcements? No, not really. So, let's uh, do this. Oh, we're going to try this? Uh, what are well, we we're drinking? We're doing beer. We're doing beers. I'm drinking... Yeah. Uh, what you got, buddy? Surly oh, yeah, Brewing Company's Stunner Tropical Ale. It sounded Dude, good. this can looks like it's out of the like, 80s. I think, it does. I think that's out of Minnesota, isn't it? That would explain why it looks like it's still stuck in the 80s. <laughs> I don't know. They're way more progressive than Indiana. Uh, that's true. Is it good? Uh, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's a little more sick than I like, but I mean, it's tropical ale, so what do you expect? Yeah. So. Uh, I've got Pipeworks... GT, I guess, is what it's called. The can's a, it's kind of a mess. Um, ale with juniper berries, lime juice, and cinchona bark. Cinchona bark? I almost asked if I had no uh, the is. ribbon on this. Oh, it's okay. Is it good? It is very good, actually. Yeah, that's a really good summer summer beer, actually. And I'm having uh, Stone <clears throat> Soaring Dragon. It's an Imperial IPA with white tea. It's just it's just okay. Yeah. Like It's just another stone beer that is just completely pedestrian to mm. me. And I don't, I, man, like, I know, sorry, Crater. People just love their shit. And I've had about two beers from them that I would consider something good. Yeah. Three, I agree. maybe three. But yeah. like, everything else is just over hopped and bitter. And yep. I just, I don't know. I know. So, you want to go with what we're smoking, Tim? Oh, yeah. Uh, Brad, you got a pipe, don't you? Yeah, it's just my pipe. <laughs> good it's talk. Just, just the pipe. What kind? Get uh, some of that stank weed. Peterson pipe. Is that what you're asking? No, I mean, oh. but that's cool. I have a Peterson too. Um, the I can't remember the tobacco, but it's like a rum flavored. Oh, from a. Nice. Uh, no, it's no? it's like a. I got it online. I oh, can't okay. remember what. Who uh, I'm smoking a Antonio de Pavia de Estelli. Mm. 
uh, Nicaraguan cigar. So it's really good. I am smoking something. Uh, the Flor de Lantilles. Yeah, my father's cigars from my father's cigars. It's a good cigar. <laughs> yeah. Cedar Creek carries Flor that. Florida de Lantilles. I think I had. Yeah. I think I had that uh, Cedar Creek the first time. It's a pretty good go-to. Is that? Is it? Or you got these? No, I got them at Discount Tobacco. They've got a pretty good humid. They do, there. man. It's actually better now. They've got a ton of stuff yeah, now. They do. It's pretty nice. Apparently, people weren't out uh, during the quarantine looking for cigars. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like we're one of about maybe 10 people in town that actually frequents that, that humidor. Probably, yeah. <laughs> in the discount tobacco? Yeah. The actual humidor. I mean, the place oh, yeah. itself, it's all just Everybody else is for and, cigarettes and yeah. zigzags and... Uh, Gotta get my clothes. Vape juice. Vape juice next door. Yeah. Uh, is that the same business or is it two different two businesses? Two different businesses. Different. Same people own it or... No, no, I, don't I don't have any idea. Mm. Who cares? What are we doing? Oh, the uh, Rare Perfection. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. So it's so a rare try the 14 perfection. Or 15. Let's try the 14 this since day we haven't had that yet. So we've had the Rare Perfection 15-year, which is... I think we should start with the 15 first, what we've already had. Which so is probably the best to. Which is probably the best whiskey I've ever had. What, the 14 or the 15? 15. So I haven't tried the 14 yet, but the 15 is just magnificent. Um, and this is the 14-year, which from things I've heard online... I. You can't find this shit anywhere. <clears throat> and so we've kind of locked into these two bottles, really. Like, Thanks, Benny's. No, that no, one was then, down in Owensboro, man. Oh, that's, that's right. That awesome. Place in, yeah. Oh, my God. That liquor store that's is right. so good. But thanks, Benny's, anyway. If you yeah. want to sponsor us, let us know. They don't. Uh, so let's try the 15. 15? Okay. 15 is So we've that, had the 15. Yeah. It's just, that is... It's perfect. It's good. It's like hazelnuts. It's perfect. Yeah. God, it's, it's so can, freaking and Rare Perfection is Canadian. But it's aged in Kentucky. Yeah. Man, that, okay. Jesus, that's good. All right. So the 14. Oh, my God. It might be better. I think it's better. It might be better. Shit. I didn't think that was possible. It's a little smoother. That is, that's honey and hazelnuts. And the nose, I, I, like I sniffed them earlier, the noses are completely different. That's, it's, it's honey and hazelnuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, yeah. if people think they don't like whiskey... You could drink that and be like, okay, well, I changed my mind. Yeah. I mean, that is just ridiculous. It's 50%. It's 100 proof, so it's 50%. God. So it's right on that level where we want it. Man, that's good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's it's better than the 15. It is. I didn't think it, it would is. be. It really no, is. It really is. It really is better. That's yep. it's strange. I mean, it's probably the same mash bill, isn't it? I would assume. I would assume it's the same stuff, but <clears throat> I mean, that's the thing with aging. Like, it, it older doesn't, especially when you're dealing with like, Stuff aged in like charred barrels isn't. Depending on where they do it, it doesn't age. Doesn't necessarily mean better. It's in uh, Bardstown, by the way. Like in in Scotch, age matters because they only stack about three barrels high. They don't have like eight story, nine story rick houses, and so it's all aging the same. And so it's going to be better the the longer it ages. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas which is why a, with bourbon you get. You get single barrels. You, you could have two and three year whiskeys that have more yeah. depth than a ten year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on where they age. Well, you get single barrels. You get small batch. You get you know select batch. Yeah. You get all these different yeah, varieties because yeah. they can basically mix and match from anywhere they yeah. want in their rick houses, and it's going to give you a completely different bourbon every every fucking time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we yeah. did that when we did that Buffalo Traceless four. Yeah, the four bottles of wood warehouse and four bottles of stone. Every one of them was different. All the woods were different from the stones. Yeah. All the woods were different from the woods. Yeah. And all the stones were different yeah, from the stones. Yeah, just depending on where yeah. the barrel was, what level. And the woods, I think, were better, if we were, if I recall. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. 
So <clears throat> it just hit me that the whiskey we're drinking, both of them, uh, are older than the majority of our children outside of Lenny. And how's, how old is uh, your oldest? Ezra turns four, uh, 14 yeah. in July. So these Isn't whiskeys are older than our kids. Yep. <clears throat> Friggin' nuts. Matt over there, old ball sack over there. Yep. He's tossed. That's my 17-year-old senior. <laughs> yeah. old, old wrinkle crotch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's better smoke crotch, am I right? I don't know. I've heard some good things. I just watched that episode. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> uh, all right, what are we doing? Um, this round is on the patrons at patreon.com slash pastors podcast. So this is to our people in the pub. So thanks, guys. Yes, thank I mean, you. As right? Always, Every, as always, everything thank here you. was purchased with Patre- yes. with our stuff from Patreon. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Sincerely. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend. Are we ready for uh, Poetry Corner? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do it. They were Oscar Wilde at heart, and they ripped off Emerson. They put the come in coming. How's that cigar, buddy? It's good. Yeah, it's good. That's a good go to, man. About seven bucks, I think. Seven? Yeah, something like that. Welcome to the Polly's Poetry Corner. Take it away, Polly. This is called liquid nitrogen. Oh, shit. Yeah. Shriveling at your every word is my dwindling soul. When I hang around you, you make my blood run cold. When I hear you speak, I stiffen like a pole. <laughs> yes! Yes! I, must, I think the innuendo might have been lost on me then. Uh, I must say that you are nothing more than liquid nitrogen for my soul. It is... April 13th, 1997. Is it about Satan or a woman? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> you put the pole in Polly. <laughs> really could have been either at that time in my life. It's <laughs> probably true. Yeah. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Like, if it was about Satan, was he doing a lot of speaking to me? Did I hear Satan a lot? I don't know. I, Brad! <laughs> I remember, remind me to uh, read, you, read you the poem I wrote. The poem I wrote based on the screw tape letters and Sad But True by Metallica. <laughs> I'll do that one next week. The mashup no one was asking for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I need to ask for it now. I kind of, kind of excited about that. I have to go get the book. That's all right. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Let's do. Let's do bright side. How about that? Sure. Um. Let me find the button. Where's the button? Do you have the button? Yeah. Oh, here it is. You told me not to use the. You stole it from me. So. The bright side of life. You're listening to Welcome to the Bright Side with Mr. Brightside himself. Matt Polly. Hi there, everybody. The we switched jobs there. That was great. Well, you were smoking. Well, I, I got lost in yeah. the smoke. You did. seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. I have a new fade button in here. So I just... Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Where's that been all of my life? All right. Um, what you got, Brad? I had a fucking great day off today. Good. Like, nice. But I didn't just... Like, a lot of my days off, I just, especially now, because we can't go anywhere, like, so you don't jerk off? No. No, no usually just lay in bed and watch TV jerk or off. sit on the recliner and read or jerk whatever. Off. No, I'm not fucking jerking off. Is that, is that what your vacation is? Jesus just a, Christ. A, a tour of jerking off in different rooms in your house? Oh my God. I'm 40. This, this room smells like Tuscany. I'm 40. I bought a candle at Walmart. <laughs> I'm 40, not like 60. Trying to get the full experience of jerking off, and can't scented candles in Tuscany. Sure, 
Somebody jerks off in Tuscany, I'm sure of it. Where, where did you get? Where did you pull Tuscany from? I was just thinking about different what does locations. Tuscany smell like? Because you're on vacation, you can't really go anywhere. So, so you picked Tuscany. I just had this image of you going to different rooms and decorating them in different themes. One was Disney World, um, and going in there and just shooting spider webs. Yeah. Well, I was going to talk about my day, but I guess you guys go ahead. Go ahead. What do you have? So I uh, decided today I was just going to get some shit done that I've been wanting to get done. Yeah. So um, this is what my day looked like. So I got up. I had a cup of coffee, went to the hardware store and got paint. What kind of coffee? Uh, the from Java Roma, the Guatemalan Huehuetengo. I, well, I had a Guatemalan from there. I think I've had that. It was one. Very really good. nice. Yeah, that's a good one. I just I, we just finished a bag from Guatemala. Yeah, they don't do very anything nice. bad. No, she she does no. everything great. Um, See that thing she posted about COVID nineteen? Yeah, to wrecking coffee. Well, she can't. What's really wrecking her? She can't get zip tie or uh, wire ties for the bags. Really? Yeah. She said that they're, because they're using them for the nose pieces oh, on face masks. Oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, well, I mean, said so she ordered three thousand of them or something, and they'll be here in like a month. Jeez. Yeah. So anyway, so they're all muddled up with scotch tape, right? Yeah. So I had whatever, as long as coffee's good. Uh, I had uh, had my coffee, got up, went and got paint, and I've been meaning to paint all my exterior doors for oh yeah, two years, three years, maybe. I don't know, like. <laughs> And I've just been putting it off for no fucking reason whatsoever. Because what? painting's kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah, but like, it, you know, whatever. So what color did you go with? Uh, it's called Blueberry Hill. So it's like a darker blue. It's nice. Did you find I your thrill? My thrill. <laughs> At Blueberry, oh, Blueberry, Blueberry Hill. Hill. I mean, it's no. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It definitely isn't. No, it's not. So got the doors painted. So this is what my day looks like. Got the doors painted. Uh, I've got to do the trim still. That wasn't going to happen today because it took forever for it to dry. Uh, so got the doors painted, mowed the yard, uh, did the dishes, and just made ribs and collard greens for dinner. So I've been busy today. Did you eat busy. all that? You yeah. Eat? Oh, nice. Yeah, dude. I make killer collard collard greens. The ribs I still have to work on. I'm only making them in the oven. I know all the ribs are hard are, to do unless you smoke them, man. All the, right. are, all the purists are. I needed to put have them in the oven for another half an hour. They would have been about right. Um, this anyway, rain they has were, wrecked my grilling. They man. were still I was good. I know, grilling so was I. I was on a streak. Man. So anyway, it's just a really good day. I got stuff done. I didn't just sit around all day, and it felt kind of nice to yeah get something done. I've been wanting to get done, and the, the doors look nice. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I'm on vacation this week. Yeah, um, Tuscany. I hear is nice this time of year. I hear it is. Yeah, especially if you're blasting rope. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna blast rope, blast it in Tuscany. Am I right, guys? Oh God, Michael! Did yours make that noise? <laughs> I'll never. That's tell. a problem. If it's making that noise, um, I'll never tell. <laughs> well, and thank the good Lord for that. Um, yeah. So I took. Uh, I took. And the good thing is, I have eight days off, and I only use two vacation days. Because, <laughs> the Matt Polly way. Because the because of the way my schedule falls. Yeah. I planned it so. I mean, I'm I'm off Memorial Day, so that's my eighth day. But I'm off Monday, Tuesday, so I don't have to use vacation days for that. I'm off Friday, Jeez. Saturday, Sunday. Don't have to use vacation days for that. So I had to use my Wednesday, Thursday, and I've got a whole eight days off only using two vacation days. So the downside is the weather has sucked ass. Yeah, it really has. It's been rainy. It's been cold. It's been cloudy. I need to cut the grass. Really God. Hard. The sun was out for about 10 minutes yesterday, and it was great, and then it went back to cloudy again. Not to put too fine a point on it, but this Rare Perfection 14 is maybe ruining whiskey for me. Yeah. It's going to be hard to top it. 
Yeah. Like it makes everything else taste like hobo piss or something. Yeah. yeah. God. We need, we need to go to a like a, the drippings a, from a hobo's a asshole. fingernail uh, yeah. limit every time so we can make it last. Yeah, the just fifteen kidding. is just about gone. Yeah, it is. We've we put the hammer to that bottle. Um, you know what? The whiskey is made to be drank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So fucking oh, tired. Exactly. I follow these guys on Instagram, and it's like. People who collect... They've like, got cellars full of, like, whiskey, and they're not going to drink it. It's like, f- what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Well, the... Uh, so, so the the um, owner of that liquor store that I go to in Paragon, um, she was like, uh, I I only want to sell it to you if you're going to actually enjoy it. Like, and we oh, will. And we will. Like, and that's what I said. I said, not only am I going to enjoy it, I'm going to share it with my I'm friends. I'm so tired of this hoarding whiskey shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, fuck you. They're the reason the bourbon market's so insane. Mm-hmm. You can't find anything. Because these guys go in and they'll buy five bottles of it because yep. they got the money to, and then it just sits. Yeah. Or sell it for more. But they don't even, a lot of these guys don't sell it. Yeah. They just let it sit. And it's like, dude, what the hell are yeah. you doing? Like, ah, it's just so obnoxious. It's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. And you know, Tyson and I had this discussion yesterday. He brought his Stag Jr. over. Anytime either of us get anything, we're immediately Did, over. Was he from NASCAR? Stag? Ricky Staggs or something? Ricky, no, that was Ricky. <laughs> no, no, Ricky Skaggs was a musician. Oh. He is so, a musician. Sounds like a NASCAR. Ricky. Uh, Country I musicians and, Ricky Bobby? And, ra- and NASCAR yeah, drivers. It's very close. Ricky Bobby. It was Ricky that's Bobby. A, that's the, a, the names are a, a that, perfect that circle. diagram is a circle, oh, yeah. yeah. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., that's who you're thinking of. <laughs> we need to get a NASCAR. We need to get a NASCAR name generator and find out what our NASCAR names would be. It's probably on the internet, buddy. All right. Um, I'll be right back. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, Tyson and I have had that discussion. He Like, anytime he gets anything, I mean, he got a bottle of Stag Jr. It was like a hundred-some-dollar bottle. Wow, he, he overpaid for that, by the way. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's no, pretty good. He overpaid well, for it. Well, he ordered online, Because I, I saw somebody, one of the guys I follow posted it when, it, they were, when that came out this year. They actually had some at one of the Myers in Indy, and it was like $65. Oh, shit. Yeah, he did overpay. Yeah. Anyway, it's damn good. But he, but he and I have had that discussion. It's like, if we have something, why aren't you going to drink it? Like, yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid. And Tyson's really good at drinking yeah. bourbon. So yes, he is. He does. His bottles don't last long. Uh, anyway, you to put your name in. So um, let's do it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Can I, I got, finish my bright yeah, side, Michael? I got a bright side. It's I'm off. This, this NASCAR name. In generator. theory, I'm going to get my fence painted this finished this week, but the weather won't fucking cooperate. So I it can't looks do exactly that. like it did last week. It's because I haven't had good <laughs> weather to do it. I know. I, I painted today. To. Why didn't you paint today? Because I'm not. I no, uh-huh, yeah. Because it rained for two <laughs> days. <laughs> it rained for two straight days. <laughs> two sets of polys. Which one? It will did, you I did. It didn't. Rain, it didn't rain today. I did mow my lawn and I did. Uh, fix the gate handle. So you lazy fuck, paint your. Paint I'm going your to. It's supposed to be. Cause everybody keeps saying it's going to be even, nice. He even bought like a spray painter, so it would be even easier. <sighs> it's not. I'm not sure it's easier. It it is a little bit, but I'm not sure it's easier. Honestly, I feel like it would be. Yeah, you try it. Don't yeah, let me know. Right. Okay, let me borrow it. Okay. Um. Anyway, I'm just I'm off this week. I I haven't had like a week off. I haven't had any vacation since basically. Thanksgiving, which is when we go to South Carolina, so it's not really vacation. It's like hanging out with family, yeah, and and running around, <laughs> definitely and, not vacation, and running around and doing stuff. And I mean, I enjoy going down there, but right. it's just not, it's just not the same. And just to have a week where I'm, I'm not at work, and the last month has been a fucking nightmare. Yeah, you have needed a vacation. We had a guy got fired, and then another guy. Key, he's worked like two days in the last two and a half weeks, and. So we've been shorthanded, and it's been you really stressful. Asking for a friend. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> it's really stressful, and and I just I needed time off, and so this is really well timed and much needed. So nice. Yeah, Michael, what you got, buddy? Oh, I, I want to do the NASCAR name generator. Can you do the bright side first? 
Nah, this, this, this is part just of it. his right side. Okay. It might. Um, yeah, it probably is. I'm gonna. The next one will be Brad. So this will be Brad's name. Here we go. Forest forehand. <laughs> Sponsored. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Sponsored by Blue Ribbon Spices. <laughs> Forest forehand. Oh my God! That is the. That you can't. You cannot. No science fiction writer, no writer can make that name up and be better. That's fantastic. All right, here's Matt's. Okay. Billy Wayne Honorary. Ornery. That sounds about right. Uh, Sponsored by Thank You you Pie Filling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. All right. What's yours? Earl Suggs. (laughs) Sponsored by Sperry. Earl Suggs, what up? <laughs> Earl Suggs, he's released a bluegrass album at some point. I yeah. Well, there was Earl Scrubs. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's give one to Josh too. Uh, Jed Poke. That's not old, need, we, old Jedediah Poke. Are we gonna change his name in our thread? Yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> not till he hears it though. Yeah. Here, I forgot. I didn't look at who he was sponsored by, but this one's for Lucas. This is Winchester Chase Tree. No, Chast Tree. Chastry, Chastry, Chast Tree, sponsored by Oscar Mayer. That, yeah, do one for Brandon. All right, Brandon, here we go. Do our three co-hosts. God, I hope he's by Bojangles. I oh, hope he's sponsored uh, by Bojangles. Chester Longstreet, <laughs> sponsored by Eagle Brand Sweetened Condensed Milk. <laughs> Well, I'm changing his name on my phone now yep. to Chester Longstreet. <laughs> Old Chet. Mm-hmm. All right. My bright side is uh, I got a new computer. Um, yes. Thank you. To yeah. Alex. To Alex. Yes. Alex, thank you so much. Uh, we're using it tonight. So um, so that was awesome. My um, daughter uh, turned five this week. So Hooray. Yeah. It's weird to celebrate her birthday in this time. Uh, we got a bunch of those coming up. So oh, freaking weird, man. It's weird. I mean, she had a good time. She got a lot of presents. We FaceTimed people. It was, you know, it was good. Um, and then, last but not least, new Hunger Games book is out now. So You know, I've never read those. I haven't either. Oh, they're so good. I, I, I mean, I'm sure they have. I just, I've never got around to it. I think it's easy them. reading, yeah. uh, young adult reading. Yeah. It's good, man. So, I, I've read I need to read, read the, uh, the old White Tiger series. Black, Black Tiger. Black Tiger yeah. series. It's wrong Tiger. Yeah, there's a, there's a white, I forget what the second one's called. Who knows? No one can know. Well, yeah. your, your wife it's unknowable. probably knows. It's unknowable. I feel like called. you should probably know it's that. It's White Dawn, Michael. Yeah. That's what it is. Because that was a good series, too. I'm glad I know that, but you don't. I am going to reread those, actually. Those were good <laughs> they books. They were very good. They were good. Yeah. Uh, the audiobook's on Audible, too. So if you would like to Who listen reads to it. Um, some person. Really? Yeah. It's, we, it was I wish it would have been out. you. No. <laughs> oh, God. No. It's, 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 they were it's taking 35 12. years. It's... it's, it's <laughs> Read by a professional. It's it, it sounds good. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Fat bastards. No, are we doing meditating? Gary Busey? No, nope. yeah, what? yeah, music segment. Music time. It's music time. Three white guys are gonna say, play some songs, <laughs> and they're gonna sound just like you think. Three guy, white guys would choose. Here we go. That's, that's great. Thank you. Uh, the band is called Lettuce. Yes. God, this album's great. Their one last year they put out was so freaking great. It just missed out of my top ten of the year. There isn't rap in this. I'm gonna. It's instrumental. Well, there's some words. A couple of the songs have words. Very little. Um, but it's mostly instrumental. It's considered jazz, but it's more. Are the words like it's funk? Do they sing the words like Limp Biscuit? Like fuck, right in the middle of the instrumental. It's exactly like that. I can't wait. Uh, The album is called Resonate. 
And the uh, song is called Blaze. Let's get Blaze, mother suckers. God, it's such a... I listened to it yesterday. I was like, I was blown away by it. It's so good. It was Billy Patterson approved, by the way. I sent it to him. Nice. There should be a car chase going on right now. Horns, bass, funk. I mean, it's... This is fun. It is. Like, instrumental albums generally bore the shit out of me. But this one, man... I love instrumentals. It's so good. I like to pick instrumentals to listen to while I'm reading books or comic books. I sit and read the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance to this. Yeah, it's fantastic. God, it's great. Yep. So I discovered this album yesterday or the day before. Um, The band is Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down. I've heard of them. Tao Win is the artist. She's born in Virginia. She's Vietnamese, born in Virginia. I was born in a small town. No. Uh, The the album is Temple. (laughs) Way to push through that one. Yeah, thanks. uh, He's always going to push through. You know he's always going to push through. Um. (laughs) There's no give up in Michael at all. Woo! I'm feeling this this thing. I'm, uh, this, I'm, Have you been inhaling it? Don't inhale it. Well, you know, I'm not inhaling it, no. <laughs> um, if you're feeling the cigar, you're inhaling it. I'm inhaling some of it. It's, it's in the air. I can't not inhale some anyway, of it. The band is Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down. The album is Temple. The song is Phenom. I think it's pronounced Tao. It's Tao. <laughs> I look, no. Her name is Tao Win, so call back oh, I love it are you am I muted uh, I don't think so yeah, maybe. Yeah, start over <laughs> Ooh, I like that sip on joy the purest drink move to make lot to think they can feel us from afar avenues and boulevard It's a good song. It's a good album, man. I will not equivocate if that's all I celebrate. Shamefully, shame's claim on me. Led my life with infamy. But I don't call it, I don't solve it. I dissolve it famously. I've been so politely at the bottom. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. I'm a big fan of that album. I mean, there's some quieter stuff on there, too, like almost folky stuff. But, man, it's that's a solid album, top to nice. bottom. Um, so Chester Longstreet um, sent me this one. It's we're just gonna go with it. God, that's so great, uh, Chester, Chester fucking Longstreet, Longstreet man. Um, so uh, that was that was Brandon, right? Chester Longstreet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sweet and condensed. By the way, did you see his fucking facial hair that he posted on Facebook? It's really something. What the hell is he doing? Yeah. You could you could light a match with this. That is what happens hair. when Brandon doesn't have work. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Um, he writes so, books, grows weird beards. He writes novels and <laughs> turns into a recluse. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird fucker out in the middle of nowhere. Weird facial hair. Changes. I, I prefer either have no facial hair or the full, like, mountain man fucking beard. Like, don't do this in-between shit. I like it. Him. He looks like he's going to be in a in a shoot-off. No, he looks like old James Hetfield <laughs> from Metallica didn't shave for a week. <laughs> looks like a he does. He looks like Bill Paxton's character from Tombstone. It's like... 
He looks like he looks Biff like Tannen. Wyatt, no. Wyatt Earp's bastard son. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Dog Tannen from Back to the Future 3 is what he looks like. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, in the pub, I, I can see what Brandon, I can actually see what he's listening to right now. Uh, it says Brandon Andrus, he's listening to Undefined by William Ryan Fritch. Indie a Folk fritch, for Fritch's big boy from the, that place. From the too, Indie man. Folk for Focus. Those are good burgers, Walter. <laughs> My friend activity. Anyway, so uh, I put out a thing in the pub where I said I was trying to get new songs for yep. Hymns of Reconstruction. Big um, big, uh, big comment section. Yeah, a lot, a lot of comments of in there. Yeah, so and a lot of good songs. Which is great. Um, and then Brandon uh, DM'd me, uh, uh, I don't know if it's <clears> a <throat> playlist on his, but he sent me this playlist of stuff to listen to while he's writing this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like this song. So I'm gonna okay. play it. Who is this? Uh, it is Miles Fisher. <laughs> Sounds like a fart. <laughs> it's just uh, hour, it's hours of foghorn. <laughs> it's just one guy playing a foghorn. It's it's beautiful. Man. Yep. It's. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a Miles Fisher. Man, I am on one today. Uh, he's from the album so Video Paul Music. Born. And uh, <laughs> Miles Fisher album is uh, Video Music. And the song is This Must Be the Place. So here we go. Is where I want to be, but I guess I'm already there. I come home. She lifted up her wings. I guess that this must be the place. Did up up one test the where I'm already did up one test the Like I need to have a pacifier in my mouth. Yeah. Like Brandon had to have one in his mouth, right? Yeah. Some glow sticks and shit. So I think I just came that liquid that they put in a glow stick. <laughs> So yeah, that's it. Is where I want to be. Pick me up and turn me around. It doesn't sound as good here. <laughs> I mean, it's alright. Sorry. Huh. Right. It's a little disappointing on these headphones. <laughs> Not gonna lie. No. It's really disappointing we can actually hear the music. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna do another one? I do what you want, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Is this 90 pound wuss? No, you found glory. <laughs> so 90 pound wuss. No. 90 pound wuss, still the worst concert I've ever seen in my life. It's the worst fucking album I've ever listened to. You couldn't even get two songs into it. It's garbage. It's so bad. Total trash. Were they all 90 pounds? I don't know. I was at the time. Remember I bought their t-shirt at Cornerstone and they didn't go to their show. So I was like, yeah, their album shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Chicago, or Peter Cetera. Yeah. <laughs> Wanna live forever. No, we together that we did it all for the glory of love. I 
Dude, now I need to get on a Satara kick, man. I need to listen to some of that shit in my car tomorrow. There's about I'll three just, songs you I'll can just listen belt to. it out in my car. There's about three songs that are worth <laughs> yeah, listening but to, probably. Those are some good three songs. Oh, yeah, man. Are. We, are, we, are, we need to get going because... We're not going to get <laughs> Newsfeed done before oh, the shit. Internet, All right, so well, uh, what else we got? Um, I think that's it until Newsfeed. All right. Are we going to do another song? Or? Sure. I mean, I could. Go ahead. Sure, go for it. Um. Well, just a minute. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for this. Right, I can do another one. No, I go. I got to hold on. Okay. Uh, this is Perfume Genius. Uh, that's a good album, man. It is. Uh, this guy just makes really fucking beautiful music. Actually, and it's, it's just it's just eclectic too. Yeah. It's, uh, so I I liked his last album too. A couple, two or three years ago, he put out an album that was good. Uh, the album is called "Set My Heart on Fire Immediately." The song is called "Whole Life." <sighs> Half of my whole life is gone. Every song's so different yeah, than the is. others. That's what's so great about it. I initially deleted this album and then read. Pitchfork gave it like a nine or something. Really? Yeah. yeah. That is a that is a classic map move. Fuck it, I hate this. No, it's not bad. I've done that before. Come back around the corner. Ah, that's pretty good. Sometimes I've done that, man. I think it's okay. I mean, sometimes no, there's nothing wrong with that. It's sometimes just, an album, that is classically you. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes something doesn't catch you the first time around. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I got another one. I just found this today. Jeff Rosenstock. I don't think you guys have ever heard no, of him. Uh-uh. Does he race with uh, Chester Longstreet? <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> big rivals. Yeah, big bake. rivals. He's the bank to uh, Jeff Rosenstock shake. races for Wonder Bread. Um, he makes like uh, like punk, basically. Um, he released a surprise album today called No Dream. I, I For whatever reason, I fucking love his Before music. Before you play this, can I talk about one thing that's bothering me now about the music industry and art, I don't what artists want do? No dreams. So I'm really, it drives me crazy. I A lot of people love this. I fucking hate it that artists will release one song. Yeah. Every. A month months. for six months. But for yeah. six, it's like, God damn it! Just put your fucking album out. Yeah, I don't know the hesitation. I hate it. I hate. I, I hate to agree with you on this because what I'm the example I'm about to use. But Taylor Swift did a a, a concert uh, in Paris, and she released all the songs as singles. So I can't listen to the I fucking. Oh, it's so album. It's not an album. She yeah, released all the singles. Phoebe Bridgers, man, I can't mm-hmm. wait for her new album. I loved her first album. I saw her in concert. She was great. She's put out three songs in the last two months, and it's like just put the fucking album out. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Get it's the, obviously done. Just release it. I don't get the strategy behind it. I don't either because I just get bored. I like, mean, if, I'm it's, just if like, it's gonna, if it's gonna, if you're not gonna release it, it's gonna sound the same in April as it does I in know. June or July. Like I just don't understand. Fucking release the album. There's got to be some weird psychology behind it, but it does not work know. on me at all. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the time. This is the opening track. No time. That is aggressive. It's just one of those fun, aggressive man. Not all of them are this like violent, but. 
you play that fast? I don't know, man. I don't understand how people play that. Well, the song's that. only 54 seconds long. Here. You're at the end of it. This wraps up this song. I'm going to go take a nap for five minutes. <laughs> we'll be back to play our next song. I think it was in the next one. His uh, his last album, I think it's called Post. Man, that's a great fucking album. Is it? Yeah, it's a really good album. Jeff Rosenstock is the guy. He's he's making some really good stuff. I'm All a right. big fan of him. All right, uh, I'll do I'll do an instrumental. This is from uh, Tycho. The album is as awake. The song oh. is as awake. This is a Billy uh, yeah Billy, Billy Patterson, Patterson special. Yeah, got yeah. me in on this. Him and uh, Mr. Uh, Daniel Summers. We're talking about it. And I Who? To it. I don't know somebody. Isn't he fucking Romanian? Dr. Andy Nixon. Is this gypsy music? This is I'm sitting on my front porch thinking about the raves, all all the raves I went to. <laughs> you didn't go to any raves, Michael. No, but I pay money to see that shit happen. I'll tell you that right now. See Michael and some fishnets and some I mean neon. the Christian the Christian punk rock scene the with the with boots. the mosh pits, man. It's like raves without the drugs. No, it doesn't. No, it's not at all. And a lot more sadness. You need to relight that cigar, buddy. You got nothing coming out of it. <laughs> it's coming out a little bit. Oh, is it? Yeah. I like this. Smooth. Yeah. I've had. I have a title. Remind album. me of. God, it reminds me of something. Album Leaf. I, yeah. Yes. That's what I. Reminds I, me of the album Leaf. I thought yeah. of. That's it. God, I need to listen to album Leaf again. Shit. Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, this this concludes uh, the music segment. Are yeah. we ready to do um, the intro? Into so it? Well, ver- oh, we can't do it. We can't even do the intro to Foofy. We gotta. Why? Because we're gonna we're gonna do newsfeed later. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. That's right. All right. Okay. Well, we'll be back. Right. I gotta go pee. We <laughs> back. <laughs> you just look for any excuse to play that. Don't he you? really does. We're back. <laughs> You, everyone just missed Wait, Brad we, saying creamy mouthfeel. If we talked a hundred times about the fact that Chance's last album was a shit pile. I listened to it once. That was it. <laughs> All right. That and Coldplay's last album. Oh, just you're shitty. married. We get it. We married. You're married and you had a kid. Great. <laughs> Rap about something else. Jesus Christ. Rap about killing your wife like Eminem. What? <laughs> Rap about anything. I don't anything. care. Anything. God, fucking Compton or some shit. Did he rap shit? about killing his wife? Eminem? Have you ever heard oh, the Marshall Mathers oh, I, LP? Didn't, I didn't know that that was... I thought it was just... Girlfriend. My God, that is a disturbing album. It's been a while Jesus. since I've... Pretty much anything Eminem puts yeah. out is disturbing. He's got some yeah. problems. All right, let's go into the news feed. <laughs> you, know, you, you should go see Dr. Billy McBride. Yes, he should, yeah. yeah. Eminem and Hillary. Let's see if we can get them both on the podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Um... So I do have uh, 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 Stephanie Rice newsfeed. Oh, hey, yeah, time again. Yes, Stephanie Rice. All right, um, this is bad news. Um, <laughs> Great, because we give you some more of that from BuzzFeed.com. Um, if you wash your berries, specifically strawberries, in salt water, 
little bugs will start to crawl out. No, they fucking don't. Yeah, they fucking no, do. No, they fucking yes, don't. I, there's video. There's video. So uh, TikTokers have uh, recently... I mean, Oh, because that's a valid source yes. of information is They've fucking re- TikTok. They've recently started saying that you should wash your strawberries in salt water because bugs live inside them. Um, and as someone who has washed their strawberries in, in only regular water, like tap water, um, you know, I thought this was was bs but guess what it's not um there the 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 person who wrote this article did it as well and they're in those little like the little seeds sometimes there's like little worms inside there it's freaking weird man they're little tiny little tiny worms so you know how many strawberries i've eaten without washing them in salt water you know how many strawberries i've eaten without washing them period we eat so much fucking shit that we have no idea that's why you have a goddamn immune system hey just fucking eat the worm bad news uh strawberries no longer vegan so (laughs) is anything vegan anymore i mean i'm pretty convinced vegans are just gonna starve to death at some point because nothing is I'm, I feel like I'm about to defend vegans and then stop than, myself. Other than fucking hummus. Like, you can eat hummus. No, they can... I mean, as long as they wash it in salt water, they can have vegan strawberries. But until those worms get popped out... Dude, it's weird seeing all the, the worms. So, um, so what are those those little white worms that are the TikTokers are seeing? Uh, they're an offspring of the fruit fly. This is my, my uh, offspring cover band. Um, called the Spotted Wing <laughs> Nobody needs Drosophila. An off- Nobody needs an offspring cover band. Like, that's not a thing that needs to Boy, exist. that is not a great band. They're shit. They're fucking terrible. <laughs> Their songs are garbage. Just stop. Give it to me, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, apparently, according to Gardens Alive... Which I assume is an organization. That seems uh, like a reputable news source. The females and BuzzFeed. So we're on we're on two for two here. Uh, the females shoot their eggs into the interior of fruits uh, that are just about to ripen. First, I ran my ovipositor down her throat, throat and lay eggs in her chest, but I'm, I'm not, not an alien. Um, <laughs> it's especially in blueberries, strawberries, and raspberries. They these 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 female. Um, Spotted wing drosophilias. I don't know how to say that. Um, That's probably it. They are spraying their babies inside of berries. Just boy, if I had all inside, sprayed my bear, my babies everywhere. So it's likely it, meaning that these bugs are are likely in all berries. They're they're just there. And that's what I'm saying. Like nobody's ever died from it. It's it's well, just well, part. Of, this this is part of living. There's in nothing. A- Nothing wrong. Yeah, with this it. is part of living a biological existence. Here's my problem with with columns like this or articles like this is it makes they people, didn't say the vegan thing. I said that. I'm just saying it makes people fucking paranoid. Like, yeah. dude, you eat so much shit. Literal. Uh, if you go to the bathroom and if you go in a public bathroom, I mean, you're honestly, literally eating shit. You're brushing your teeth with if shit. You can the Mythbusters did an episode. If you can smell the a fart. Use the hand dryers. Fart. Use the hand dryers. You're Bathing I your mean, hands in just, shit We particles. are just covered in bacteria. It's part of a biological existence. It's fine. So the FDA, which is just a reputable organization, <laughs> well, uh, it used to sa- be, says that uh, <laughs> bugs eating bugs is is not harmful. Um, yeah. Also, that We've according to the peanut butter, fucking peanut butter has a can, shitload of bugs. We've eaten in crickets it. on this podcast. Also, the can, contamination guidelines for each food uh, typically include how many bugs are yeah. allowed to be. Ketchup in a is another food. one. Ketchup is another one that I've. 
Uh, was it Mandy or somebody had a relative that worked in a ketchup factory at one point and they swore they'd never eat it again. Yeah. Like they literally never ate ketchup because they saw, they saw what was in it. I mean, it's just part of life. It's just, you can, you can live your life as a paranoid, fearful person, or you can just eat the goddamn strawberries. How dare you? Those bug life matter. Bugs life's matter. I know, but that's what I'm, but. No, they fucking don't. <laughs> Are you there's saying not, bugs' lives don't there's matter? There's not a shortage of bugs, Michael. What about the movie Bugs Life? How do you feel about that? <laughs> I don't. I've never seen. I don't. Give what, a you've shit. never, never seen, seen Bugs Life? No. That's the second time this podcast where two of us have said the same thing at the exact same. time. How have you never seen Bugs Life? I don't. I don't know. I, it's one of the weaker Pixar films. Oh, definitely. That's why is. I don't. I don't. It's really... like, what are we going to do next after toys? Well, let's do bugs. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. it was like they found out that DreamWorks was making ants, and they were like, "Shit, we got to get this out quick." Yeah, and so it was like, "Yeah, I did." Yeah, ants, that uh, Woody Allen vehicle. <laughs> in hindsight, wait, Woody Allen is? What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Woody Allen's like the main guy in ants. No, Woody Allen is Some, somebody. Google the guy that. that fucked his cousin. I think so. No, did he marry his cousin? Was ants. it his cousin? No, it's just a really. I'm pretty sure it's ants with a Z. Um. Let me see here. Yeah, Woody Allen is the character Z. Holy yeah. shit! Sylvester I've never, Stallone. I will say I've never seen Ants. So I have oh, seen Sylvester, Ants. Sylvester Sloan's in it. Oh, yep. it must be a great uh, movie. Uh, yep. Sharon Stone, uh, Gene Hackman. She flashed her ant beaver. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have our well, hashtag. Hmm. Well, with that, yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> in this podcast. Wasn't there a movie with Sharon Stone and Sylvester Stallone together? <laughs> You're thinking of uh, uh, of Michael Douglas. No. Was she in Judge Dredd? No. Was it Judge Dredd? <laughs> Man. Judge Dredd. Do you remember? Uh, I feel like it was a specialist or something like that. What's the other one Stallone did that was like a... Rocky? Uh, a futuristic one. Was it was it, Rocky. Was it just Judge Dredd? No, it was Rocky. No. no. Pretty sure it was Rocky. I think he had it was another Judge one. Dredd. I feel like, was there like a demolition something? Demolition Man? Was yeah, he demolition was he Demolition Man? man? Uh-huh. Yeah, he was. Him and Wesley Snipes. Wait, I thought well, him and Wesley Snipes was Judge Dredd. No, Demolition Man is, <laughs> is Stallone and Snipes. I love that those movies are so fucking awful. What is... I mix them both up. He is in Judge Dredd too. Wow. Wait, Judge Dredd too? Jed, Judge Dredd also. as well. Okay. Disappointing oh, not shit. featuring Judge Ryan. Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, Benjamin Bratt, <laughs> Dennis Leary. <laughs> Benjamin Bratt. Are you talking about Demolition Holy Man? Holy hell. Jack Black? Dude, Demolition Jesse Man. Ventura? Demolition fan, Jesse Man. Ventura? I don't care what you say. It is a There's a movie. reputable person. <laughs> There's a part in Demolition Man I think about often, and it's where he's talking about how in the future they don't have toilet paper. They use shells instead. And it's an ongoing joke throughout what, the movie. What do you scoop out the shit? That's the whole thing. You got to use your imagination. They don't really, they don't really explain it. I think but. I'd rather just have the dangleberry. Oh man, really? <laughs> Michael, you brought up Judge Dredd and fucking Demolition I'm just man. thinking about humans. And I'm with the bad person here. Dingleberries. Yeah, Klingons, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> like it's the same thing. Are you talking about Spock? It's the hangers on, Michael. It's the ones that hang on. No, I'm not talking about Spock. What? Spock was a dingleberry? Oh my God. He's not a Klingon, Michael. What the fuck is oh, that? Jesus Christ. What what is happening? Oh, he's a was he a Vulcan? Yes, he was a fucking Vulcan, Michael. <laughs> I'm not very Was's well versed Spock in Star a Trek. <laughs> Pretty sure. 
about what's happening right now. All right. Thanks, Stephanie Rice, for your new yeah. feed. Good job, Stephanie. <laughs> Took us all the way to Demolition Man. God. Fuck a dingleberry. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. All right. News feed. Uh, Wait, Spock is a Vulcan, isn't he? Yes, he's not. He's not. A, yeah, no, oh, he's, not, he's a Klingon. We're talking about Klingons. He's not a Klingon, Michael. He's a oh, fucking he, Vulcan. Yes, yes, he's a Vulcan. Yes, I got him mixed. No, up wasn't the Kling, wasn't the Klingon that guy with the fucked up forehead? Yeah, I, I, they all have fucked up foreheads. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know very little about Star. Trek. I actually watched uh, both CBS All Access. Star Trek shows, so I should know. I've just had a shit ton of alcohol right now, so I'm and that's different from most episodes. Who knows? I even give you water. Did you drink your water? Yeah, you did, and I did not drink a single. Bit you of need it. to drink some water, buddy. Ugh. All right, this appeared. <laughs> this appeared in the pub, and there's no way I'm not using this because the the title alone is worth the price of admission from Vice.com. A whale blasted an ungodly amount of ass ham all over some divers. <laughs> that what's ass ham? Ass ham is if there's a better word for shit, I don't know what it is. Ass ham? Ass ham. A group of divers near the Caribbean island of Dominica. Sounds like a character in the Old Testament. No. <laughs> nope. nope. Ass ham. Son of Ash Shim. <laughs> no. Nope. Ass ham and ham and Japheth. We're engulfed in a <laughs> mighty cloud of shit churned out by a sperm Shadrach, whale. His best friend Shadrach. The men were on a routine expedition to photograph. Ham, cousin of Shadrach. <laughs> the whales that were on an expedition to, uh, to photograph the whales and one of their subjects started blasting an ungodly, ungodly amount of butt butter. The, whoever wrote this fucking article dem- should be given a, a Pulitzer. Like, it's just... Uh, an ungodly amount of butt butter into the ocean while spinning in circles, causing what one of the divers called a punado. Showing no mercy, Ooh. the beast didn't it's stop until... Say that again. Punado. It's going to be on Peacock. In an ungodly amount of butt it's butter... It's a new Peacock series. ...into the ocean while spinning in circles, causing what one of the divers called a yeah. punado. Showing no mercy, the beast didn't stop until a 100-foot-wide cloud of its Mississippi wow. mud. Wow. We're talking about a... Mississippi uh, mud had coated the divers in their Are we equipment. talking about a... Poonado or a poonado? A poonado. Oh, I was thinking. Those poon. are two. I was no, thinking poonado. That's very different. <laughs> it is very this, different. I just wanted to make sure we're on. We're all tracking here. In a show of unwavering dedication to his craft, Canadian photographer Kerry Wilk managed to put, capture the experience on film. Some believe the torrent of rusty nuggets was a little-known defense mechanism triggered by the proximity of the divers. On the other hand, it could have just been a spastic diarrheic beast. That's how little we understand about whales and their insane magical shits. I'll tell you what. I want my uh, NASCAR name to be Rusty Nuggets. (laughs) The diver went on. He said, after a few waves of feces were released and stirred vigorously by the whale. It's the nephew of Dick Trickle. Yeah. The water was was like chocolate milk. I couldn't see my hand when I held it in front of my face. I had poop in my eyes, mouth, wetsuit everywhere, and I was soaked in it from head to toe. But after leaving the cloud, it quickly washed away. It didn't leave a smell on us. It did take an extra long shower once. I had learned uh, once I had returned to shore later that day, just in case. Um. Anyway, like the pictures of this are 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 incredible. Like it, it is just literally a cloud of shit. It's a shit cloud yeah, that these guys were floating uh, in. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That's, when you when you die, 
There won't be a cloud of witnesses. There'll just be a cloud of shit. That's probably true, man. Um, yeah. Oh, that one's got corn in it. <laughs> it's mad as a piece of corn in the shit cloud of witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> Got a little, little, little rusty nugget of corn. Uh, here's a here's a quality uh, sentence. Many animals, like the Komodo dragon, cover themselves in their own ass goblins to gross gross out predators. What ass goblins? I'm just gonna say right now that ass ham is one of my the most one of my favorite phrases for shit at this point. Ass ham because you're, then your your butthole is literally a ham blaster. I feel like these are all on Pornhub. <sighs> Right. Ass blaster. Next, next. God damn it, Michael. Poonado. Stop it. <laughs> I'm done. All right, my next article. Poonado four. Stop. Ass fam. <laughs> Jack of the ass fams. <laughs> I feel like that's not going to get a lot of views, but at the same time, it might get a lot of views. You'd, you'd be surprised. I, yeah. No, I probably wouldn't actually. Uh, from Mashable, uh, 12 facts about space that, uh, will rock your world. I'm not going to read all 12 of them. Uh, some facts about space. Neutron stars can spin it at a rate of 600 rotations per second. That means literally nothing to me. 1.21 gigawatts. That seems fast. That's, I don't know what that even is. <laughs> pretty fast. <laughs> um, is that good? I know, I'm confused. Space is completely silent. I don't silent. I don't science. I'm from I don't Indiana. S- yeah. I really think the alcohol is really showing right now, guys. Is it? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, space is completely silent because there's no atmosphere to... Well, yeah. The vacuum of space doesn't produce sound. All the, the world, Most worlds probably have some measure no of sound. No one can hear you scream as you're butt-fucked by, <laughs> by an alien. By one of those aliens that Will Smith punched. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Uh, there's an uncountable number of stars in the known universe. That shit. I don't care what Hot you say. Take. I'm going to watch it's it again. Fun. This, this July, I'll be watching it. Harry Connick Jr. got blown away, so rip. Spoiler alert. Um, wait, was he in that? Yes. He was the fighter pilot. Which what? one? There were a thousand. No, no he got his no, ass. He, 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 got, he, he was... got blown away in the first, like, before Will Smith flew through the Grand Canyon. No, you're thinking of... Uh, <laughs> no, that was uh, fucking Will... You're thinking of Randy. No. Randy no, no. He, he dies in the end. He dies at the end. Well, okay. Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. The dies hero at the beginning. What was his catchphrase in that movie? Harry Connick Jr.? Yeah. It he was didn't like, have he one. Something about light him. Uh, nope. I'll look it up. Nope. Independence wasn't. Day. Can't spell it right I'm going to continue. Go ahead. Keep There's going. an uncountable number of stars in the known universe. An Australian National University study put their estimate at 76 trillion. I mean, that's 70,000 million 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 I mean it was like today like there was a study that came out that they found evidence that there is a parallel universe to this one where time goes backwards they found evidence can we go back to 2016 and not elect Trump is that something I call that, that the, ben- the Benjamin but- Button universe I mean but it's I mean I can't I was trying I read that article today it came out just today the article I couldn't wrap my fucking head around no. it what I know it was lock and load. Um, what? <laughs> it was lock and load. What was lock and load? That was the phrase. Harry Connick's phrase. He had a phrase in that yeah. movie? It wasn't lock and load. There's something about lighting stuff up. He was in it for like five minutes, man, and they got blown away by an alien. Anyway, the Apollo astronauts' footprints on the moon will probably stay there for at least 100 million years. 
God. I mean, there's no once again, once again mm-hmm. you can't wrap your head around that kind of shit. No. 99. Light the fires, big daddy. Oh, kick the fires and the tires, light the fires, big daddy. Kick the tires and light the fires. Yeah. He said it once. It's not really a saying, Michael. He said it one fucking time. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> he wasn't in the movie long enough to have kick a saying. He also had, he also had cigars. Light the fires. Kick the tires and light the Man, fires, big daddy. I listened to Blue Light, Boy, Red Light. You, you went to, through a massive Harry Potter Jr. phase. Beth and I college. got pulled over by... Or Beth and I got busted by the cops listening to Harry Connick Jr. making out <laughs> one time. Blue Light, Red Light. I wrote a poem about it. I love that you got busted You wrote a poem cops. about making out by the cops? You got busted mm-hmm. making out. Yeah. Making out. Man. Where are you You must at? have been really bad at it because I was getting blowies all through college by my... I never got blowies. Soon to be white. No, never got blowies. It never got caught. No. Nine. <laughs> well. Wow. Yep, that alcohol is talking. Never got blowies. Kick the tires. And I could the fires. tell you which park that we went to. I most. could. I could go to the spot right now and probably find it where we made out and got busted by the cops. And how many times I ejaculated in that spot in my in my underwear. <laughs> um. 99% of our solar system's mass is the sun. What? <sighs> yeah. More sun, more energy from the sun hits Earth every hour than the planet uses in a year, which is why we should have solar pa- solar panels in every house. Uh, so when you look at the sun, you say, check out that mass. Yeah, I do, Michael. You know what? I'm done. Fuck it. Well, it's like your eighth story tonight. So no, it's fine. like my second story, Michael. No, it's definitely your third. No. It's not. It's my second story. This one, this one feels like it's gone on for a while. I did three of them. Hey, uh, that's what I said. Three. I did the third one. I did three. I did one story with twelve facts. I did three facts. You guys are like, oh, it feels like the third one. God. I don't know what that voice was, but I'm offended. Whatever. Fuck off. Go ahead, Brad. What do you got? Um. Why do I even do this fucking podcast? I don't anymore? know. Jesus, we, we've been wondering, Christ, especially man. after you were gone last week. Man, yeah, and fuck you guys for the <laughs> what Matt two or the, no, new Matt, new Matt. Yeah, that's great. I want to be compared to Josh Casey. That's what uh, I want in my life. Dorset knob eating contest held online amid lockdown. Are we still knob eating? Really? Knob eating. Dorset's annual knob eating competition what has been held online for the first time. This event in which contestants vie to gobble more of the counties. Stop it. Wait, traditional what? biscuits than the rivals no. usually draws huge crowds. No, I'm Wait, sure it does. What is the county called? Well, no, I don't know. what It's Dorset. Oh, I think you said in England. Cunt County. No, what? You definitely said Cunt no, County. I and I like didn't. you. Uh, can we do you mean to pause? I definitely want you to hear. But this cunt year, county. 100 competitive eaters live streamed their attempts to swallow the savory sphere. God damn it. Like Kate Scott from Shaftesbury. We're not even trying anymore. <laughs> necked eight and a half of the thrice baked treats to claim the crown. Contestants across nine heats got a minute to finish off as many knobs as they could make knobs. Festival chairman Ian Gregory said the bun-shaped confections were, quote, quite dry. And competitors often use a mug. Oh, it's because you didn't suck long enough. Often use a mug to moisten them. I, I don't even know what to I don't even know what to say to Stop. that. What did they, they do to moisten it? I guess dipped them in a mug. I don't um. have any idea. Uh, top nosher Ms. Scott said she was top 
Nosher. Was determined to see off non-Dorset competitors and keep this local. It was all in the preparation. I had plenty of time to practice and focus. God damn it. These knobs were going down. No one else was going to be. Stop me. it. Her, her impressive score fell some way short of 2015's winner who necked at least 13 knobs. I, I don't even know what to do with that. Like... <laughs> Like there's there's nothing you can do with that that parodies it. Like it's a knob gobbling competition. <laughs> I I I don't know what to do with any of it. Like I want to move to England so bad. Oh. Well. All right. So there you go. There's your 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 knob gobbling champion. It was held online for the first mm. time because of coronavirus. Normally, it's a live knob gobbling contest. Isn't that what we just call Pornhub? Like, uh, okay, so South Korea Club FC Seoul well, apologize. Not, call me apologize as sex dolls appear in the stands. So, as the, what? What do you for mean soccer? Ab- like, just suddenly <clears throat> appear? Okay, so right These now, of I'm a huge. Dolls? I'm a huge soccer slash football fan, whatever, and. <clears throat> Like, I know as a soccer fan, I am, like, jonesing to see live soccer. The Bundesliga in Germany, I don't even watch the Bundesliga. It has started up again. Like the Bundesliga race on Star Wars? No. But with, they've started up again this last weekend, but without fans. And it's really fucking weird to watch because there's it's like Dead watching. Silent. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. You can hear the coaches yelling. And yeah. It's, it's fucking nuts. So, a lot of clubs have been trying to figure out how do we create any sort of atmosphere so i know like one club in germany sold uh you could pay 20 20 bucks i think or something or 50 bucks for a cardboard cut out of yourself to sit in the stands oh man wow some clubs have been trying to figure out like i've been trying to uh, thinking about pumping in crowd noise mm-hmm. to try to create any sort of like nfl's talking about that so anyway this club uh soul uh, fc soul Apologize to fans after inadvertently substituting supporters in the stands with sex dolls. You don't inadvertently do that. During a, their, that is a premeditated during thing that you did. One one nil win over Guangzhou FC on Sunday. While the season started on May 8th, fans are not yet allowed in stadiums because of the coronavirus. For Seoul's first home game, around 20 mannequins, many holding banners and all wearing masks, were spaced around the seats behind the goal usually occupied by the club's most active fans. As the game progressed, Korean social media started to light up as it became apparent to viewers that these mannequins supplied by a local company uh, looked very much like sex dolls. I've got a weird question. What? What what is a goo-goo doll? What is that? (laughs) You know, I've never really considered that. I... I feel like that's a fact. I feel like it might be a sex doll. I mean, what what else would a goo doll? Wait, is dizzying up the girl mean blowing your chow into a into the mouth of a sex doll? Pretty sure. What is a goo goo? Goo goo means an amorously adoring. Uh, just give it like Google eyes. Uh, I got really put my uh, 
goo goo cluster in that goo goo doll. I got nothing else. Fuck it. No, I read the fucking story if you want. Whatever you got, Michael. I don't. I don't even know at this point. Like, <laughs> what? I I don't. I don't. I don't have an answer to anything you just said. Like I don't. I don't know what to do with it. So sometimes I think about stuff like that. I'm sure you do, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I have no doubt. Um. Okay. It's one of your many, many uh, charming qualities. Uh, this is this is news. Good news for Brad. Uh, Guy Fieri and Bill Murray are to compete in a live nacho making contest. I've heard about this. I'm uh, sorry. I like Guy Fieri. If yeah, he's turned it around. He's man. doing no, good stuff. He's doing he hasn't awesome even stuff. turned around. He's always been. Yeah, like he's this. always been a. He's been he's like a, okay. He's a fucking weirdo with his hair and, and his, his glasses shirts. and his shirts and his fucking wristbands around his forearm. Seems like, like a nice guy. He's like he's raised like twenty five million dollars for small restaurants right now, for restaurants in this crisis like yeah and through the diners drive-ins and dives show which i watch all the time you do watch that i do oh, mandy wow. fucking hates it she can't stand it but like i, I feel mean, like you really gave him shit early on in the I, history you know of and I, I did and i have but the reality is like that guy for whatever you think about him personally he has he has amplified small restaurants more than anybody else on the planet yeah i mean He's got a show right now where they it's called Triple D Nation or whatever, where they go back to a lot of restaurants that they that he visited like years ago. Yeah. And they are massive. Wow. Like, I mean, like where he has because he went there and and shined a spotlight on their business that their business went through the roof. That's I mean, you insane. can't beat that shit. Like, I mean, I know he's weird and. I, you know, he's his mannerisms are weird, his sayings and shit. But you know what? What's I don't even I really don't know anything out of yeah. the caricature of of the image of. And himself. he is a caricature. He's a yeah. total caricature and he knows it. Yeah. So, yeah. Seems anyway. like a nice guy. Yeah. Um, I'd have him on the pod. I'd take this pod, pod to flavor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's uh, <laughs> this. This is a story uh, was sent to me by a uh, friend of the podcast, Lynn Knowles. Um, she sent me this, and um, they found a lizard in Florida, and it's a very uh, portly, n- northern, curly-tailed lizard, um, and it was just it was. Very uh, rotund. So this lizard is. So so this these people found this lizard, assuming it is it, it is a uh, a pregnant uh, lizard. Um, a two inch long midsection, uh, and the the center of it was <laughs> swollen to the size of a golf ball. So pregnant, pregnant, right? Yeah, no. Uh, when they when they poked around the animal's abdomen, uh, they didn't find any evidence of eggs. Instead, it was just full of silly putty. Oh. What it wasn't actual silly putty. Uh, it was uh, it was a giant shit. Um, what? From an unfortunate diet of pizza grease and sand clogged inside this lizard's uh, innards, um, made an unpassable lump of feces in her gut. 
Wow. Wait. Pizza grease and, and sand. sand. Yes, in Florida. That's what I mean, that'll do. It. That's like what Florida's known for: pizza, grease, and sand. It's <laughs> actually their state motto. Yeah, that's your state yeah, pie. Welcome pizza. to Florida: pizza, grease, and sand. What a pizza, grease, sand pie! <laughs> it's on their. It's on the uh, I seventy five uh, state state sign as you come in. Yeah. Um. So, it, it was a record breaking uh, turd. Uh, they did. I've had those. Uh, unfortunately, they lost the the lizard's life in in the process. Oh, um, that's great. Sorry, Michael. Uh, Twenty two grams of of turd turdness inside this lizard. Yeah, I got that sometimes. <laughs> well, I think you got a lot more than twenty three grams. Yeah, yeah, a lot more. But this is for for a two inch lizard. Twenty two like, grams is a lot. Yeah, a two inch lizard. Yeah, Jesus, the size of a golf ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can understand why he killed it. Yeah. Being like me having a 23-pound shit in my stomach. The, the Well, the, the turd comprised 30% of the lizard's body weight. So one-third so full of shit. So what's, uh, say 23%, is that what you said? Uh, 30% of, oh, more than 30% of their body weight. So... Yeah, it'd be like me having a 51-pound shit in my stomach. So if you'd like to see the dissected lizard with the turd on the outside... Nope. Um, <laughs> head on over to Twitter.com and I'm good. click on the link. Nope, I'm good. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, everyone's using Zoom. Have you guys used Zoom yet? Yes. I have not used Zoom yet. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's a thing. Have you have you used Zoom during this whole shenanigans? Um, I have uh, yeah a little bit with uh, family with Mandy's family. Uh, okay. I've I've done a couple of the Zoom calls with the pub people. Oh uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so a San Francisco church is suing Zoom after one of its Bible study classes was allegedly infiltrated by a hacker who bombarded the video call with porn. Saint Paulus Lutheran Church, one of the oldest churches in the city held a Bible study class on May 6th, which in most attendees were senior citizens. Uh, but 42 minutes into the class, their computer screens were hijacked and control buttons disabled while pornographic video was streamed. Um, according to a federal lawsuit. Yeah. Zoom, filed has, on Wednesday. Zoom has some privacy issues. I yeah. think. Yeah. Like I've heard of people like just showing up and like flashing their dick around. Like they can like hack into like zoom calls. Don't, and don't judge me. I don't understand people. I don't either. So, yeah. Like, if I'm a hacker, I'm going to go, I could, let's see, I could hack into banks. I could, well, or I could hack in to show my dick to a bunch of random strangers So apparently, Zoom. What? It's, yeah. a, it's a known serial what offender. You? A serial offender? Who, so, someone who does this for fun. They go and they hack Zoom calls and display porn. So Yeah. I, it, and Zoom it, can't figure this out. Really? But I just, like... Fuck you, man. Can you not just let people have Zoom calls? Like, fuck off. I just don't understand people to do shit like this. I, I really either. don't. Like, just let people enjoy time with their family or yeah. if they have a business meeting. Just let it. God damn. At least do something fun. Uh, it's just so obnoxious. You play Caillou or something. That's That would be, that's the ultimate troll. Just play an, an episode of Caillou in the background. You're so angry. I'm just waiting for the punchline, Michael. No, I'm just... Nobody gives a shit about Caillou. Okay. Am I angry? Why am I angry? I don't know why you're angry. I'm not angry. Okay. (laughs) Why would I be angry? (laughs) 
Can't figure it out. I'm on my third beer, and I've had two whiskeys, Michael. I don't give a shit about anything right now. Okay. Whatever you say is fine. All right. That's it. That's all all right. Great. Move on. So you want me to do another one? No, do the foofy. Let's do okay. it. It's 9.01, Michael. Is it? Yes. <clears throat> right. We're three hours in. Oh, my God. God, we are. Pretty close. Holy oh. shit. All right. Uh, foofy. Here we go. Dr. Hillary McBride is a therapist. Doctor. That's what I said. Doctor. I know. I'm just reiterating. She's a doctor. Dr. Hillary McBride is a therapist, researcher, (laughs) and speaker and writer who loves to help see people grow, heal, and change and come to terms, come into more fullness in themselves and their relationships. She is passionate about the well-being of all people and wants to make psychology and academic research accessible to a wide variety of people. She hosts a podcast called Other People's Problems. She is a co-host on the Liturgist podcast, um, and she has an amazing book titled Mothers, Daughters, and Body Image, uh, Learning to Love Ourselves as We Are. Anything to say about that? She's wonderful. Yeah. We, we love having her on the podcast. It's been way too long. Yep, it really has. Mm-hmm. So, all right, yeah. here's our conversation with Hillary McBride. Further up and further further up Yeah. Yeah. Hillary McBride. Dr. Hillary McBride. Oh. I already, already <laughs> stuck the Man, landing. You did. You, Man, you, really, you probably up. botched that up, buddy. Dr. <laughs> Hillary McBride, how in the world are you? Hi guys. I'm, I'm doing well. You know, I'm feeling like I'm kind of hitting my stride with pandemic life. The first seven weeks were (laughs) not pretty, but I really feel like, okay, I've got a rhythm that's worked out and now things are shifting again. And so I'm a little bit like, okay, gotta, gotta rework, rework things around that. But I would say that right now at this point, at this moment on this day, Things feel, <laughs> things feel good, feel manageable. They're isn't that all you can ask for, really, is to be okay right now? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel grateful that in this moment I'm okay. And uh, I have all of the resources to support me if in an hour from now I'm having a meltdown. So... I'm, I'm open to that being a possibility. Well, I, I love the, the fact. I love the fact that we would be the reason for your meltdown. So. Yeah. An hour from now, that's you're probably not the first person that's happened to. Honestly, what most people done? generally you know what? end up in the fetal position at the end of interviews with us. Maybe it's the other way around. The call will end, and I'll be devastated because I don't want it to be another year and a half. Well, yeah, and I'll be unable to cope with the grief. Of right. Well, you know, yeah, of course. We'll talk, we'll talk to our administrative staff and, uh, <laughs> okay. and make sure that doesn't happen again. They've all been sacked. We've, uh, we've rehired everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're a doctor now. Uh, so I got a question. I have a swollen prostate. <laughs> no, no, wait. Not that kind, not that kind of doctor. I'm wondering if you know what I can do about that. Yeah, you know, and I'll take your blood and I will. <laughs> I'll give you surgery. It's not going to be good. You'll end up worse, I'm sure. It's going to be a but steak will... knife and some vodka for, uh, for, uh, yes. here, bite down I'll... on this piece of old shoe leather. All right. So far, my only and preferred way of using my new 
uh, addition to my name is in totally inappropriate context. Like, <laughs> we support that. Exhibit A. We support that 100%. Exhibit A, Brad's prostate. On that menu, as a doctor, that font should not be used on that menu. <laughs> That's great. All right. Uh, so I, I take it you are still in Canada, right? Eh? I am still in Canada and feeling so grateful for that. Yeah. What's it like to be in a country with competent leadership? <laughs> you be, you be, asking, you do it. asking for 850 million friends. Yeah. You know, it means one less thing to have to worry about yeah, in the morning. Right. Yeah. Doesn't mean that things are perfect here, right. but there's like, oh, I, I don't have to. I don't have to contend with that extra trauma of wondering if my leaders will take care of me. So yeah, I mean it, it certainly helps to be able to look to people who are in positions of power and feel a sense of um, gratitude. I know that not everybody has that experience. I wouldn't mind moving up there. Are you looking for a secretary or anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An administrative yeah, assistant, maybe. Anything, really. I, time. Somebody can change the tires <laughs> yeah. on your car. I can, I can change col- your oil. I can collate things. I don't know if that's something you need in your line of work. Mm. I, you know. That's impressive. I don't even that think I know what collate means. <laughs> See, so Michael's out. Yeah, I'm out. I'll be the court jester. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Those are welcome. So, somebody, somebody needs to overlook the vast Hillary, Hillary McBride empire. Yeah. So, you know, I could, I could take your phone calls and whatnot. <laughs> I need real help with uh, some tech things. Like I had to do a social media. I did an Instagram live with a friend and it took me eight minutes to figure out how to go live and add her, <laughs> which with like hundreds of people watching felt <laughs> really important helping me my ego death but it was um just a reminder that those the things that aren't taught in grad school i pretty much know nothing about i mean 60 bucks an hour you got me 60 bucks man (laughs) god damn that's more i make dude that's like three times more i make well canada the exchange rate (laughs) they don't don't use real dollars up there (laughs) these moose pellets 60 beaver moose pellets or something i don't know what they big macs are like 12 bucks i think for a big mac Yeah, but when uh, when you have issues with uh, with your what am I saying? When you have issues with your body, then all of that money you put into McDonald's, this is the the line of thinking is really really <laughs> dissolving right in front of me. <laughs> well, that is a fantastic transition into yeah. what we're going to talk about. Uh, so uh. we do have you on to talk about. Uh, I this was this was my idea. This is Brad. This was my idea because I have a terrible relationship with food. Um, I have terrible body image. Like, I think I'm pretty sure I've never been di- diagnosed. But I'm pretty sure I have like body dysmorphia and that kind of stuff. Um, so I wanted to talk about like what a healthy relationship with food looks like because I personally, um, I'm not the only one that struggles with this. In fact. Full disclosure for all of our, our, all of our listeners, all the questions tonight are basically based on questions from the pub. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to give people agency over this topic because uh, I think this is a... It comes a, up a lot in the pub. It comes up a lot everywhere mm-hmm. yeah. in our culture because, I mean, it, I'm not sure there's an unhealthier relationship with food than anywhere in than, than America. I mean, it's like we don't have a healthy relationship with food. It seems like you're either you know, eat all you want and be, 
you know, whatever unhealthy, as unhealthy as you can be, or it's like the opposite where it's like, I'm only going to eat like living pods and work out for nine hours a day. So it's like, it seems like there's not a whole lot of in between. Mm. So in, in your mind, what I, I wanted to talk to you, a, you're a doctor, uh, like a, a, a brain doctor. Is that your, that's your, that's your official, that's your official title, isn't it? Yeah. Hillary hey, McBride, brain, brain doctor. I'm a neurologist. No, <laughs> or a brain surgeon. Wait, so you're telling me you're not? Okay. Well, we need to get somebody else on this podcast. Um, and I know that I think you mentioned one of the times, maybe in the first time we had you on, that you you uh, lived through an eating disorder mm-hmm. when you were younger. Um, so you have seemed to have found a healthier relationship with food, you know, as you've as you've gotten older. So what? Let's start off with that. What does it look like in your mind to have a healthy relationship with food? Like, how would you define that? Yeah, I think the question. The question's important and how I respond is important too for a few reasons. When it comes to how we understand food, it's really easy for us to defer to somebody else to define what health looks like for us. And if I get into this corner where I'm saying, well, it means eating this much at this time on this day, Mm -hmm. then I'm actually perpetuating the problem. And I'm saying, here's my definition of health, but I'm removing from you the sense of agency to know yourself. Mm. And a big part of health is understanding yourself and what you need and understanding that you are a being over time who will need different things at different times in different contexts. But I want to try and stay away from defining a healthy relationship with food in a way that's kind of operationalized, like as if I'm giving you just a new kind of food guide. Because really to, to be in health and to be in a healthy relationship with food is to be making choices from a place of, of knowing ourselves mm-hmm. and being in connection with ourselves. In psychology, we talk about the locus of control. Where is control? Is it somewhere on the outside of us, as in a leader or a food guide or our dietitian or uh, our parents? Or is control, specifically as it relates to food, something that we hold on the inside of ourselves? So I would say that healthy and healthy relationship with food really is person specific means paying attention to your internal information and needs and the external information and needs like who's around, what's the context, what are we doing here? Um, Are we about to go play a sports game? I'm probably going to need to eat differently than if I'm just going to be laying on the couch all night. And where is the focus? Is it in making choices that are caring and self-sustaining and connecting to myself? Or is the focus about trying to control or manage my body as if my body is a problem? Hmm. So really, eating needs to be internally defined, which means it looks different for every single person. And you'd mentioned, you're right, I had an eating disorder for a long time and took a long time to feel like I could get to a place where something felt healthy. And again, healthy is is contextual. So for me, um, I think it was Christmas Eve this past year. So 2019, I went to McDonald's for the first time in maybe it would have been, I know it's funny. We were just talking about it, (laughs) but (laughs) like 20 years. Wow. Wow. And for me, there was a huge amount of phobia around fast food and anything that wasn't totally, totally ideal, whatever that means in terms of it's been constructed, like 
you know, local and organic and whatever, all of these restrictions that I placed on food that actually just supported my eating disorder, but made me feel more moral about it. Hmm. And so getting huh. to the drive through with my husband on Christmas Eve, you just had to have them fries, right? Yeah, <laughs> I want. I want to. This is such an arbitrary question, but yeah. I want to know what you ordered. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not the only one that wanted to know. Did I you had get the a McRib? fillet of fish. Oh, well, I have it. I'm allergic to meat and potatoes, so though that cuts out and dairy, Jesus, and that cuts no out. No wonder you definitely aren't American. Yeah, <laughs> you would not survive here. <laughs> I'd be the first to go. Yeah, but I would support myself well in my slow death. I would, I would be so kind to myself as I was dying. But I, we went to this drive-thru and I remember thinking, this is somebody else's worst day or something like that. Like this is what somebody is trying to not do as part of their health. And for me, it was me expanding this range. Like if my range of what I'd been given permission to myself to eat or what I'd given myself permission to eat was super, super narrow, there isn't room for flexibility and play and creativity yeah. and satisfaction. It's yeah. like adherence to this rigid code that really is no different than any of these other oppressive structures that keep us limited and keep our lives small. So for me, going to McDonald's was a total act of freedom and I would say whole person health. I didn't feel great after. <laughs> no, as you, yeah, no, you never one does. No. Yeah, it's, I eat long johns about once every six months, and I hate um, myself. Generally, I'll, I'll be crying as I eat it, but it's you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like coping with the crying by eating it, and it's this like loop. It, is. it doesn't it's end. It's like Job yeah. on a pile of ashes, but eating a filet right. of fish instead. Yes. Yeah. And it could be like, I, I don't eat a ton of food that's prepared in that way. And so I imagine my body was like, what, oh, what? Yeah. what are you doing? But for me, that felt like health because it meant being in rebellion of the restrictions that had been ongoing for way too long. And I'm not symptomatic in my eating disorder anymore. And it's been a long time since I have been, but we have these culturally sanctioned rules that are really, we've created sort of a moral code around that there is some sort of superiority or purity in eating things that I'm using big air quotes here are clean. And to be rebellious of those rules was for me an act of freedom. And so it just felt good to know that I could do that and I wouldn't panic or have anxiety and I had more options available to me. Yeah. So you're, you're saying you're, you know, you're, so what you're saying is that was residual from your eating disorder was this idea that I can't, I can't eat that kind of crap essentially. Like, I mean, is that what you're saying? It was like yeah. a leftover psychological, whatever block. I don't know if blocks the right word. Yeah. But. And it almost feels, I would say like borderline moral. Like we create these categories of food that are good or bad. And one of the first things I learned in eating disorder treatment is if I'm going to recover, I need to eradicate this hierarchy system in which I rank foods as good or bad. And then huh beat myself up for eating bad foods and praise myself for eating good foods and more just think about like what what's in that that I'm getting and do I need that and do I need more of that and does that feel good and does it feel good after and do I love that like it and what's going on in the context around me because I think I mean another piece around health that I've mentioned this just really briefly already is that we are beings that exist in social contexts and there are things that I probably wouldn't eat at home, but when my mom makes them to share in this, this taste when I'm yeah. at her table together, is like, oh, look at us sharing this experience and we yeah. get to talk about like, oh, you've been working on that crust of that pie. 
yeah, oh, whoa, you did such a good job this time. It turned out way better. Like eating is also relational and it's also cultural and it's spiritual. Yeah. And so if we're just thinking about food as fuel, we're also missing the sense that we are being in contexts. And it when we look at all those different intersections of like what is food, it really helps dissolve this hierarchy. How could how could something be bad when it was also connecting me to someone that I love? How could something yeah. be be good if everybody else said it was good, but it hurts me, right? Mm. So there's there's complexity here. And really, I just want to hand it back to all of you and say, I, I can't really tell you what healthy specifically looks like, except I can invite you to listen to yourself. I can invite you to be curious about what you find when you do that. I've heard uh, Sean and Nequest talk about bread sometimes. And, mm. and, and bread is something that I just don't typically think about. Like bread is, it's, it's, it's the the. It's what the, you wrap your peanut butter it, and pickles up. Yes, in. it's the thing that I wrap my peanut butter and pickles in. Um, <laughs> you need to stop listening to your body on that Speaking one. Speaking of shame eating, <laughs> hey, <laughs> stop! Don't shame me for eating peanut butter uh, and pickle sandwiches. No, we're going to shame you. No, for that. do yeah. not. How dare you? Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, just listening to her talk about it as this uh, communal um, mm. event. Yep. It's something that's part of her, and and then the the. Like uh, we have, there's a farmhouse down uh, in yep. Southern Indiana we go to. And uh, once uh, the, the, the main guy, Brad Pickens, he, his sister came and, and spoke about bread mm-hmm. and uh, the way she talked about it was just, it, it was an almost like a spiritual yes. thing too. I, I think that's another aspect of food is that it, that there are, there's so much uh, lumped in with food uh, in terms of emotions, feelings, and, 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 you know, and things that can could possibly be triggering of past events you had the last time you mm-hmm. ate a Big Mac or the last time you ate, you know, I don't know. I don't, who knows? So. Insert. Insert. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, and I, I can't, man, already we could just shut this down now. I mean, personally, I think <laughs> you've, already, you've already helped me free mm-hmm. myself a little bit to think of it as what is healthy eating for me? Because I don't know that I've ever even asked that question. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Because you eat pretty healthy too. I do generally. I, mean, I that's my problem though is I go in waves. So it's like, you know, I right now I'm currently on Weight Watchers because I my weight is basically like when my pants get too tight, I'm like I'm not buying new pants, so I need to lose some weight. But it is like this weird, like possibly unhealthy cycle of like gaining yeah. 15 pounds and then losing 15 pounds, gaining 15. Pounds, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure I've ever thought of it in that that. I have agency over that, over what is healthy for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I yeah. always, I mean, God, it is so hard to break free from like the cultural, I guess, discussion around mm-hmm. food. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you've got all these experts on TV or Instagram or whatever it might be, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, whoever it is. And it's like you have to drink this much water a day. You have to eat this many vegetables a day. If you don't, you aren't healthy. Mm. And just to hear you say it, it's like, that's actually bullshit. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, it actually, I, I mean that, that for me, I mean, I guess it just, thank you because that mm. was very free. Yeah. I'm going to start trying to think about what does that look like for me? What does health look like in my yes. context? Yeah. Yeah. And it means paying attention. And I, I think if we were to look at our relationship with our bodies, like we look at any other relationship, you don't expect immediate trust and immediate intimacy right right away. Yeah. Like I, 
there is something that has happened over the course of being with my partner for 15 years where we look at each other on the other side of the room and I know exactly what he's thinking. Like <laughs> right, quite right. literally, you know, the slow turn of the head when someone has said <laughs> something and you're like, oh, okay, we're going to talk about this on the ride home. <laughs> like that kind, that level of intimacy and just the subtlety of the listening that has to occur to know the very truest message that's being sent that is built over time after time after time of having deep conversation and deep listening. And the same is true of our context of being a body too. How often do we go inside and listen? How often do we pay attention after, or do we pause in the middle of the meal to say like, how is this working for me? Like I'm just eating so quickly cause I'm in my car and I'm on the road and like oh, slowing down to mm -hmm. check in. And when we do that and we experience ourselves as bodies over time, not just in, in an instant, but in spaces and places with people, with emotions, with different foods, with different emotions that, that are emerging in response to those foods, then we start to get this like a lay of the land almost. So it becomes easier to be like, oh, I can negotiate with myself. Like that's going to taste really good right now not going to feel so good later. So how do I, how would I have a little bit or how about I have some and, and this other thing that I know will make me feel better, but we can't do that if we're not in dialogue with ourselves. Yeah. And that's something that's really been robbed for us. I would say in evangelical context is the story that, that the body is a sin, that it needs to be yes. controlled, that it gets in the way of what's true. And it really just starts from the beginning. We, we learn to cut ourselves off so, so, so early and see that the messages that we're getting in some way interfere with the goodness of life as opposed to being the being the path to life. Are you saying that Jesus is the reason for my eating disorder, Hillary? <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I, would you say that uh, I think when when people hear eating disorder, mm. automatically they think anorexia, bulimia. Okay, mm. like those are the only two eating disorders. Is it? I'm assuming you would say it's bigger than that, right? Like there's oh, a, yeah. it's a, it's a yeah. big, a much larger spectrum. Because I, I look now at forty and I go, I think I kind of, in some ways, have an eating disorder. But I, I'm never going to be anorexic because I love food too much. I'm never going to be bulimic because I hate throwing up. So like, but that doesn't mean <laughs> it obviously hasn't meant that I've had a great relationship with food. I mean, so what in your mind, what's that spectrum look like? Yeah, there, well, there's, let's play with language for a second. There's an eating disorder, which we would say is something that meets the diagnostic criteria okay. for something in the DSM-5 as being gotcha. a specified, uh, we could say, illness. And then there's also disordered eating, which looks more at the process of like, ooh, I've got a kind of messed up relationship with food. And so there are some people who have a, a, a tension, a complication with how they eat and what it feels like for them and what's going on culturally. And then there's this other category where we're like, okay, this, this meets some criteria and we need to give a label to that in such a way that it then allows you to access treatment, gets you medication, gets you um, resources and helps you feel, your, feel a part of a community who is working towards change of this particular presentation. But if, if you're not familiar with the category of eating disorders, we've got PICA, which is eating non-nutritive, non non-food substances. Right. I've, seen, I've uh, heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Rumination disorder. So we're chewing and regurgitating food over time. Avoidant restrictive food intake. 
Um, so it's a, a, dis, a disturbance of eating where a person is unable to eat appropriate nutritional kind of variety, like eat with enough variety and enough kinds of foods that it doesn't actually impact them negatively mm. and isn't necessarily related to weight loss or weight gain, but more um, avoidance behavior around preferences and yeah, the inability to care for oneself and feed oneself. And then there's anorexia, which you know about in bulimia. And then we've got binge eating disorder, which was added to the DSM, the most recent DSM. And then there's the other specified feeding or eating disorder, which is our kind of catch-all category for when something shows up kind of like one of those disorders, but it's a little bit different. We don't really know what category to put it in. But the problem with the the diagnostic criteria around eating disorders is that somehow it it feels like it delegitimizes the frequency and intensity of struggle that most people feel in their relationship with food. Right. Yeah. Because you can say like, well, I don't I don't eat diagnostic criteria, but does that mean that what I'm experiencing isn't real? In the same way that we say that with depression, like maybe somebody doesn't meet diagnostic criteria for depression, but does that mean that they're not suffering? No, yeah, absolutely not. So we had a few people ask questions about mm. trying to recover from eating disorders or body mm -hmm. dysmorphia. As somebody who has maybe, I don't know if, if has healed or is healing is the mm -hmm. correct nomenclature, which one, but how do you even begin to heal from something like that? And can you ever yeah. truly heal from it? Or is it always mm. just a part of you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I could say so much about this that would also extrapolate to a lot of other things that we contend with, like anxiety or depression yeah. or mm -hmm. trauma. Yep. Like yep. what, what you're asking is like, how do we heal and is healing complete or is it in a process? And Again, I, I know this is not very a pop, not a very popular answer to give, but I think it really depends on the person. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know that's that's very phenomenological of me to say that and it doesn't it's not categorical, but I want to leave room for it to look different for every person. And yet I'll still try to provide you with some right. some answer yeah. in some in some way. Um for me, I think the experience of healing from the eating disorder and I don't think of that as a singular event. I think of it as a process over time. Yeah. Is is something that occurred because I had enough safety in a relationship with a specific therapist to begin to explore how the eating disorder was actually working. And what I mean by that is not to say that an eating disorder is great. Everyone should have one. What I'm saying is it served some sort of psychic, psychological, interpersonal, intrapersonal purpose. It, huh. it was giving me something. And to see it as helper, yes, like dysfunctional helper, because it was also jeopardizing my life, it allowed me to get curious in a way that I wasn't adding more shame to the inside. Huh. And because of that, I started to peel back some of the layers that were getting in the way of of the exploring like shame and anxiety and defensiveness. And in peeling back those layers, I started to see some of the hurt that the eating disorder was helping me deal with. Mm -hmm. And then it told us where we needed to do some work. Cause if you think about the eating disorder as helping with, with pain, well, maybe there's some other ways that we could deal with pain that would then free up the space that the eating disorder was taking and some of the roots it had really set down to protect me. And in doing so, I was able to go on this journey of building 
a really compassionate way of being with myself, including the parts that are not so ideal. And so I'll, t- I'll tell you a story about something that's happened since COVID with the eating disorder for me. And and my hope is then to come back into some more broad yeah. recommendations yeah. for other people. But I I learned to talk to the eating disorder like it was a part of me that was in some ways like hung out with me, but wasn't me. It was like, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. dads who have like the cell phone on the outside of their belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the eating disorder was like. so good. Like it, it came everywhere at the ready in case I needed it. <laughs> Easy access holster, just available all the time. Um, and so that's my, my playful analogy. But it's, it really had this function for me and I was able to, to interact with it and be like, hey, no, I don't, I don't actually need you right now and, and have a bit more authority over how it showed up in my life because it felt like myself not the eating disorder, but who I really am started to take up more space in terms of my identity and how I showed up in my life. Okay. So that's, that's all great. And then the coronavirus happens and I'm in the grocery store. And for the first time (laughs) in a really long time, I have this rapid fire train of eating disorder thoughts. And I say that they're eating disorder thoughts because they, they focus on a particular thing. Uh, They come in a particular way. There's a particular tone about them that is so characteristic of what my inner dialogue sounded like when I was in the eating disorder that I just think of it as like, Oh, that's the script. Oh, I know that. And I, I got so scared. I got so scared because I thought like, wait a second. No, no, this isn't supposed to be happening again. I'm the expert in this. (laughs) Like it was really like, and I've done all this work. Why is it here? And then all of the work that I've done kicked in. And it wasn't necessarily the the most obvious choice to anybody else, but it made the most sense to me in that moment to sit down in the grocery store because I didn't know how to do what I was doing anymore. It was all of a sudden I was like pulled into this black hole of stuff that felt like yeah. it was bringing up shame and bringing up all the pain. And then I was having like anxiety. What do I do? And so I sat down in the corner of the grocery store and I put my hands on my body And I just imagined that the eating disorder was there sitting beside me and was whispering all this stuff into my ear. And I started talking to it and I said, oh, hi. Yeah, you're, we haven't hung up in a while. And I know that you come to help me deal with situations that feel scary and overwhelming. And you had that role in my life for a very long time. And when I felt like things were out of control, you were there to help me focus on something and give me some control. And things feel scary and out of control right now. And I'm worried about a lot of people and I'm worried about myself. And I know that you're trying to help, but I want you to know that I can deal with scary and out of control in so many other ways right now. And I'm going to try those, but I see you as just this messenger that this feels a lot like some things that happened a long time ago. And so I'm thankful that you came to tell me that I need to do a better job of being with my fear right now. And I'm going to ask you to give me some space because you don't make the best choices for me, yeah. <laughs> but I understand you're trying to help me. I, uh, so I have been on uh, weight watchers and we're not sponsored by weight watchers. So, uh, I've been on weight watchers. Since However, we would yeah, take, the yeah, money we would take, totally take the money. We will well, I don't totally, know. I think you might consider some other sponsors who yeah. actually are more in line with your values. Yeah, for sure. And I want to say that, that I'm values. full, full knowledge of how problematic they are as a company and, mm-hmm. and, and, 
a, a lot of diet plans are. I, I've been on a, a ton of them. Um, and, but over the last, um, I, I'm coming at it from a, a healthier perspective now than I ever have. I've been on mm-hmm. tons of diets. Um, and, and since February of last year, I've lost 85 pounds. Um, and I was on track to, to continue to, to, to lose pounds. But when all the stuff with COVID-19 came on, I just stopped losing weight. And, and, but the mindfulness around, um, tracking my food and knowing what I'm eating. And I know that that can be unhealthy for people as well. Um, but the, the, the being aware of what uh, I'm eating, I, I was telling, I think Brad and Josh that it's been the only thing that keeps me from eating a whole sleeve of Oreos is just being mindful of what I'm putting in my body and mindful of, of, of how it relates to me. Is it okay to have an Oreo? Yeah, sure. Yes. It's completely fine. Um, but, but I think there has to be, um, some give and take as to what you need. And and, and honestly, right now I haven't, I haven't, I haven't lost anything in the last couple months because, um, I know the choices I'm making to not lose weight and not that, that everyone needs to lose weight, but, um, but it, it's been good for me to know, okay, this is what this is. And to be able to put a name and a face on it and mm-hmm. say, this is that voice that's in my head that's saying you need this to make you feel better. And, and it's, and it's been transformative for sure. Hmm. Sometimes oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you ever going to say? They say sometimes the the externally applied boundaries around our behavior wake us up to our um, almost like a dissociative relationship with eating. Yeah. And having some structure can be a way initially, I would say, to to have some way to start to change. Yeah. But I would say if we keep, I would say overall um, that probably those problems end up doing more harm than good. And what we need to be healthy in a way that isn't also contributing to compulsion around eating and anxiety about going off the plan. I mean, when we look at the health benefits of doing it, we're also increasing, like offloading the stress around food and onto the stress around adherence to a plan that someone else gave us and so again that's what i mean about health being complex yeah and we know that that there's actually more that the negative health effects around size actually more come from social stigma and the impacts that size bias has on people than the actual weight and size itself yes so we can't we can't talk about any of this stuff without also looking at the fact that we are in a social context which Mm. values the disappearance of bodies, particularly bodies of color, disabled bodies, uh, bodies of people who are queer, marginalized in any way, women bodies, but that bodies in in general are demonized and we've been told that we need to be afraid of our bodies and in that way we need to control and restrict them. And doing that in a different way to help us wake up to how we relate to food feels sometimes like a substitute, like just a, it's so hard to, I want to be so delicate with this, but I, I want to create this, this vision for us as people where we could relate to food in a way that wasn't just because someone else was telling us what was good for us, Absolutely, but that we yeah. could move into a sense of autonomy where we could also notice like, 
what is the place that I go to when I eat the entire sleeve yep. and get curious about that. And it makes me feel better, but why do I need to feel better? How am I feeling if I don't do that? And the program that someone else gives you won't do that work for you. Absolutely. And that, that's it. all, all that is done for me is started the conversation mm-hmm. of what it, what my body needs. And, um, you know, I, I really have not been super concerned for the last you know, 10 years about mm. my weight, but I'm getting older. I had a, a foot injury last year and it took mm. way too long for it to, to get better. And I, I want to be more in tune with my body than, than I was. And I just was not in tune with anything. So for me, it's been, it, it's been building uh, healthy practices around, yeah. around that. And I'm eating a lot. I'm eating a lot more fruit. Mm. And that's good. Yeah. And, and I don't hate him. Yeah. Michael had a banana. <laughs> yes. But I would say also, Michael. It's sorry, pretty man, amazing that taste can change. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's it. But I would also mm-hmm. say, Michael, you, you've you gotten healthier mentally. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. I'm coming last, at it with a different mindset. Right, in the last two have. years. I mean, it, it sounds like, Hillary, I mean, what you're saying is that really healthy eating is almost more of a mental thing than a physiological thing. Would that be accurate or is that kind of jumping the shark a little bit? What do you mean? I would physiological say, well, thing? I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that can be exclusively true because of well, like people who have, I, I'm trying to figure out the best way. medical I, conditions. That, I've got a thought in my head and I'm not sure I can articulate it, but it seems like, yeah. I guess I'll say personally for me, the older I get, the more I'm realizing how mental, mental, and psychological my eating is mm. you know what I mean like yeah. my relationship of food is more psychological I'm I'm 40 years old my I, I mean I I was joking about my prostate issue but I actually do have an enlarged prostate I had a cancer scare a couple mm. weeks a few weeks ago like where the doctor was like mm. well we're gonna test you for this because we think you we don't know so yeah. wow I mean wow. that was enough to like go oh I'm not fucking invincible here. Like, Mm -hmm. so I need to, I need to figure out a way to eat healthier. I'm trying, I guess what I'm saying is for me personally, for at 40, I'm trying to take it out of, of more of a societal, this is what you should look like and be like and whatever. And Mm. more of a personal, like kind of what you were talking about earlier and go, okay, what, what is what is health for me? And it seems to me that like I think I feel like personally the the more psychologically healthy I can get, the healthier my body will be. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I think that that to your earlier point, maybe we can't say it's more mental than it is physical, but we can say that everything that's physical is mental. Yeah. Everything that's mental is physical. And yeah. whenever we try to extract one of these things from the other, we're missing oh, a part it. of being whole. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we are working on our mental health, it's going to absolutely change the way that we interact with food because it'll also change how we interact with our neighbors and our kids and the people that we're sharing, you know, a desk with at, at our work. And so when we are working on one of these parts of ourselves, because they're all connected, we get to see the fruit of that in other areas, which is why I think what I really want, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a physician. As someone who works in psychology, this is my domain, but I want to see us as whole people. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can think about our bodies differently. We can experience our bodies differently to create new thoughts about ourselves. Yeah. So I have a quick question. This is sort of related. You mentioned earlier in your time, in the, I think it was in the grocery store, 
about mm. talking to yourself and talking to your your fear, your anxiety, your oh hey wait I know why you're here. Yeah, and I appreciate. Can you talk about a little bit? This is sort of tangentially related, but it's it's important to me because I discovered this as I went through therapy is how important it is to talk to yourself in that, in that regard, talk to your fear, talk to your, acknowledge it for what it is and realize, Oh, Hey, this is, I know why you're here mm. and I appreciate it. Um, but I've got other ways of dealing with this now. <laughs> yeah. And I'll try and give you a twofer and okay. actually finish the rest of the, what I want to say about the earlier question about yes. how do we heal from eating disorders? It's, I think that when we externalize something that feels like a part of ourselves, as in we take it out of the inside of us and hold it somewhere right across from us, it, it allows us to get some perspective and it can then allow us to respond in a way that we might offer somebody else a response. Yeah. When things are mucky and muddled inside and criticism is the primary narrative that we carry with ourselves, but we would never do that for somebody else that externalizing activates this compassion that we can seem to generate externally easier. Yeah. And then it can also help us have a dialogue. It's if we, if we remember that there are parts of us on the inside of us that we can have relationships that are kind and loving and tender and curious instead of imagining that there's nothing going on there except whatever impulse is at the front of our consciousness in that moment. And we can slow things down and do dialogue, which really is a kind of inquiry into, into what's going on. So this links back to like, how do we heal? I think that we can ask ourselves, what purpose is this behavior serving in my life? Mm -hmm. And hear the language in that. Like mm -hmm. I'm actually acknowledging that there is purpose to it. And instead of hating the eating disorder, instead of hating whatever's going on, the body dysmorphia, asking ourselves, how is that way of seeing my body or that way of seeing food or that way of numbing out or that way of managing emotions helping me? And what does it tell me that I might need to learn more about to better support myself with anger, mm -hmm. with criticism from other people, with, you know, feeling bored. Mm -hmm. And so we can talk to these parts of ourselves directly. Some of my favorite questions are, how are you helping me? What are you afraid will happen when I'm, when I'm without you? What pain are you protecting me from feeling? Yeah. But again, bodies exist in social context. And I'm hoping that's coming through clearly in what I'm saying. Absolutely. That our individual selves and the stories we tell about ourselves don't, don't just show up out of nowhere. We are yeah. having those messages reinforced constantly through the media, through the people that we love. I mean, even you saying you've lost, you know, however many pounds, the temptation for all of us is to say, wow. And yeah. way to go. And in what we're doing in that is we're saying we're reinforcing this is a good thing to lose weight. And yet we almost never hear the opposite. If someone says, I gained 80 pounds, we don't hear people say, wow, Absolutely. good work. <laughs> and so the mess, the implicit messages about what bodies are more valuable are communicated through our language and our imagery. And so sometimes the most important thing that we can do just to start to hear what does my own voice sound like? is separate ourselves from the imagery and the narratives that aren't working. Like there was a long time for me in recovery where there was no mirrors in our entire apartment, except for this one that was like neck up near the door. Huh. Like it was not, it didn't work. Hmm. And it meant for me that I could really start to figure out like, well, 
if I'm dressing to figure out what I like to wear, then I'm going to put on clothes that maybe feel different than if I'm dressing for what the mirror says and how I'm perceiving that other people will evaluate my appearance. And then I think the last piece, and this is so, it sounds so technical-y or clinical-y, but it is one of the best and most important things that we could do if we are repairing our relationship with ourselves, with eating, with how we perceive our image. It's interoception. And that's really just our fancy neural neurological word for what does it mean to pay attention to the senses that we have on the inside. Yeah. So things like temperature, hunger, fullness, fatigue, thirst, pleasure, satisfaction, any of those things that are messages from the inside about being a person, the more we the more we spend time paying attention to those, the more we recruit neurological territory, so to speak, to to make even more room to pay attention to those things. And that tends to take away from or stop the reinforcement of this process we've engaged in, most of us, where we're preoccupied with these external measures of goodness or value and brings the attention all the way on the inside. And the more time we spend in there, the more fine-tuned our awareness is. Right. So if you are, if you're used to drinking wine, you know the difference between a Pinot and a Shiraz. But if you aren't used to drinking wine and you've never done it, you'll be like, well, that's red and that's white and that's all I know. <laughs> but the more, the more time you spend tasting, so to speak, the more finely your palate is tuned to the differences. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same with interoception. The more time we spend tasting on the inside, getting to know what's happening now, what's happening now, what's happening now the easier it is for us to tell the difference, oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not anger. That's blame. That's not sadness. That's actually shame. I'm not hungry. I'm lonely. Yeah. I'm not yeah. hungry. I'm full. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, that was, that was pretty great. <laughs> um, you guys are so kind to me. I want to, I want to move on. No, you're kind to us by being on this podcast. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, once again, I think we mentioned every time you're on, you are so far above this podcast. Um, uh, you, we appreciate you slumming it for an hour or so every, every year or so. Um, um, you need to go cleanse yourself by reading Freud or something after this. I don't know, anything. I wouldn't do it by reading Freud, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Maybe that was a bad choice. Um, so I, I want to ask this. One of the huge concerns that people had asking questions for this was about, our, about kids mm. um, and a healthy attitude toward food yeah. and exercise and that kind of thing. So like what... In your mind, I mean, maybe this is just another thing where it's like you're, you just have to know your kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what are the best ways to try and keep our kids healthy without resorting to shaming? Um, yeah. And like kind of what about for kids that may have dietary restrictions or special needs? Yeah. So one of the most important things you can ever do as a parent in terms of teaching your kids about health is to do it yourself. In fact, kids are super super attentive to noticing the discrepancies between what you say and what you do. Yeah. And so that old adage, do what I say, not what I do is, um, <laughs> it's almost impossible for kids, yeah. especially yeah. cause they're so good at, at picking up on mixed messages. Mm -hmm. And so if you yourself can model flexibility with your eating, so having, having freedom, paying attention, introspective cue, attentiveness, um, a commitment to self care, slowing down, noticing when you're full, noticing when you're hungry, talking about that, of like really honoring those cues and modeling it. Oh, you know what? There's more food on my plate, but 
I'm going to stop here because I'm full. Yeah. Or I know we just ate, but man, I'm still hungry. So I'm going to eat this other thing. Oh, now I'm full. And then avoiding shame, blame yourself. And if anything, if you do anything with them, I think one of the best approaches is always curiosity. Let's get curious about what's going on here. I notice sometimes this and this happens. What do you think is happening there for you? Hmm. And I notice sometimes when I do this, you do the same thing. And, and I'm wondering what that's like for you. Or what is it like for you that you, you eat this, but mom and dad eat that because of your allergies? And really talking about the underlying process underneath. But really talking about the whole body as, as a self and the body as being good and worth caring for. And if we just talk about food and exercise as ways of caring for the body, then we might need to check some of our assumptions around weight bias because health, as we've already talked about, is so much more than food and exercise, but also feelings and connection and mindfulness and being a part of a community. And so talking about the complexity of health and really slowing things down so that they could learn to do what we're talking about doing, what I was just saying about tasting, like making making some room to go inside. Now, when it comes to some of the special dietary restrictions or needs that kids have, we know that there are higher rates of eating disorders when kids have allergies or intolerances because there's this kind of conditioning that food and eating are dangerous or experiencing sensations can be overwhelming or intolerable or we can see the body is dangerous or bad. Like I remember I had tons of allergies growing up as a kid saying like, I hate, I hate my body. And eating things that other kids could eat, I would want to eat those things to belong and then they would make me feel sick and I would get angry at myself. And so it's really easy to to develop all sorts of emotional unhealth around managing different food needs. So we might need to keep teach kids how to do distress tolerance. So like when you're when you're in pain, how do we be with pain in a way that doesn't make more pain? How do we be with pain in a way that is kind? And after figuring out what's actually dangerous to their systems, possibly doing some repair. Like I know lots of families have so much struggle going through intolerance and allergy testing. And when you finally figure things out, making room to process that, of course you're scared to eat this. Of course you're scared. No wonder you don't want to go to that party. Yeah, of course, because they're going to be eating things that you're not eating. And so one of the things that you can really do as a family is join in with the same food plan as kids that that the kids have to be in solidarity with them so that people don't feel like they're on the outside of something. And then doing what you would normally do if food wasn't an issue. You'd play, right? You'd make muffins together because it was fun to stir the stuff in the bowl. And like you would dye your milk green on, you know, St. Patrick's Day. And you'd do whatever the thing is. Maybe just my family. Okay. <laughs> we, dye, we dye our beer down here in America, buddy. Yeah. Okay, God, okay. <laughs> you play, right? You right. get creative yeah, yeah. and you try to destigmatize or uncouple a fear response to food in a way that it just got to be normal and fun and and part of the experience of being alive but I think I like I can't understate just how important it is to give room for the fear and the sadness and the grief because food is social too and not just fuel for you that when there are intolerances or needs it can feel so painful to miss out on shared experiences and that needs to have space to be processed God, I mean, you're, it's like, I swear to God, it's like you're talking directly to me. Uh, my mm-hmm. oldest, my 13-year-old, um, my wife and I were just talking about this last night. 
when you you mentioned you know to have your kids have a healthy healthier relationship with food or whatever you have mm-hmm. to have one and my wife just said last night my my 13 year old is really like he's gained he's gained a little bit of weight like over the last couple years or whatever really the last year especially but part of that is just his physiological makeup um it's the way he's built it's but you know going to school he gets the ridicule he gets Mm -hmm. you know all that stuff he's not getting that from us like i I will say we have never been like oh hey fatty or whatever you know what i'm saying like we're never never going to be those people um but my my wife just said to me last night he's been really having a lot of of stress recently because he's like i really want to get healthier i mean he keeps telling us i really want to get healthier really want to get healthier and so he has started trying to sort of change his eating habits a little bit eating more vegetables Mm -hmm. eating more fruit eating fewer snacks that kind of stuff but he's becoming sort of obsessive about it and we're trying to figure out like we don't want this to turn into an eating disorder and i I said to mandy last night i'd rather him be fat and happy than maybe that's just the wrong way to even say it because i think fat is objective or subjective but like you know, I'd rather him be happy and way more than have an eating disorder and be skinny. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's this really weird mm-hmm. balance because he is, he's, he's saying this and I'm realizing, you know, we're realizing now she said to me last night, it starts with us. Like we both have an unhealthy relationship with our bodies. Why would we expect him to have anything better? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. and it's so, it's so freaking hard especially with a teenager to try to find, try to find that, you know, that balance for him. Um, and he has kind of obsessive ten- tendencies anyway. And so, you know, we're mm-hmm. in, currently in this trying to sort of help him navigate this where he, he wants to be healthier, but at the same time, we need him to understand also that it's okay to have ice cream sometimes. Like yeah. it, it's okay to eat a bowl of cereal of, of sure. fruity pebbles or whatever. Cause he has, he has special dietary stuff too. He cannot like, if he eats gluten, he gets headaches. He, so he is gluten free. Um, and so is my wife. So that's at least something that they share, you know, in common. Um, but, yeah. but man, it is so hard in a, in a teenage mind to navigate this, this sort of body image health, like journey with them it's so it's so difficult it is so 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 hard and i i think that's part of adolescence right is we we are bodies and when we change as bodies the world responds to us differently and that shapes how we feel about ourselves and and i don't know if if there's anything else i can say except being an adolescent is super super hard yeah. and we write that off yep. right we yep. we get to the other side and we think about like oh i made it through most of us somewhere inside of us still have a part of us that's 14 yeah. that we're yeah, like absolutely. just hoping nobody finds out about yep and so i'm thinking about how well we could be with the 14 year old version of ourselves and do for our kids what we wish someone had done for us. And I think that's to so validate and honor the pain and get curious and accompany and keep talking and make room for any, like any psychosocial support that would make that feel like there was freedom to talk and, and ways to move through it. But I think it's so important just to normalize that struggle 
And everybody at that age is just desperate to feel like they can fit in and like minimize any parts of themselves that could create the possibility of ridicule. And there will be ways he will find him. There will be ways he will find a way back to himself and his full self through this. And I think that, that you can also pave the way for that to be sooner rather than later. Like having a critical discourse around in your family, all of us can do this around weight bias and how messed up it is that we somehow feel shame around size. Like we would never do that with eye color. We would never do that. Right, with right, like right, right. what has gone on in our culture that somehow we've moralized size in this way. Yeah. And when we can have that critical dialogue, we can outsource some of the shame and maybe even get angry at culture. I think that's so, so, so good to do. And it, it tends to inoculate us against internalizing those critical messages. Like those messages are out there, but we don't have to take them into ourselves in the same way. And I think being honest about the struggle, the struggles we're having as we negotiate changing bodies means that at least we're not internalizing it and it's not going inside. Yeah. But compulsion around food and managing food is no joke. And it's, um, it, we train our brains, especially in adolescence, like where to focus and what to value. And, and it's so important that there's freedom and creativity and play and the support to have mental flexibility around eating. I love that you keep using the word play. Mm. I, I, yeah, I think that's that yeah. if there's any takeaway from any of this, it's that. Mm. Yeah, it's have a, I mean, I think play is kind of what you talked about when you went through McDonald's. You had a fillet of fish. It's play. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Is it good for you? No. But but you did but <laughs> but, but, it's, there, but it's, at the same yeah. time you had the fillet of fish but you didn't eat 10 of them. Like mm. you didn't go back the next 10 days and eat fillet of fish. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a there seems to be a level of play there. I, that I think is probably, I mean, we've talked a number of times about on the podcast and on some of our Patreon stuff about the idea of ego and ego is something you play with. Everybody has mm. one. It's not something you ever get rid of. You just play with it. And it seems like, you know what I mean? You, you, you use the ego when you need to use it, i.e. doing a stupid podcast once a week. And then you put it, <laughs> but then when you, when you turn off the record, when you hit the unrecord, you, you put stuff it away. It back, you stuff it back. Stuff it yeah. back. You're, yeah. Okay, I mm. see you. I nod to it. You're here. But you're not going to drive the car. You're obviously, in, you're mm. a passenger, but you're not going to drive the car. And it seems like maybe that that is the healthiest relationship with food we could have is go, okay, food is something we need. Obviously, it is, it's the gasoline in our fuel tank. Okay, so like it's it's what keeps our body going. And that's a that's a beautiful thing. But we can also play with that and go, I'm going to, I'm going to eat some vegetables, you know, or whatever, but I'm also at times I'm going to indulge and I'm going to have my ice cream and I'm going to have my, you know, especially in a communal situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, you're out with friends when you're out with friends, maybe that's not the time, you know, to eat your tiny side salad with balsamic while everybody else is eating burgers and shit. Like maybe it's okay to have the burger and fries. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it highlights again, like what is good and what is yes, health. Yes, and sometimes yes. health is I'm flirting with my boundary yeah. because my boundaries have been too rigid and yeah. health look, looks like me expanding. And other times health is like, oof, I don't sleep so great after I eat that much of that food. Right. And 
and I really want to sleep. So maybe I need to eat that food earlier in the day, or maybe that's not something I do so often because it, it kind of hurts my whole system. But we can also look at things like satisfaction. Like there is no, I don't want to be a part of any kind of like food process, eating ritual behavior where I'm not enjoying myself. But I also want that for every part of my life. And that means sometimes I put on fun music when I'm cleaning because I don't love cleaning so much. But (laughs) it's a way to say like, no, I can... I can do the things that I need to do to be well as a whole person and look for ways to be creative and look for ways to, to have choice and agency. And I think we can do that with, with food. And like, I don't, again, I don't think that there's anything wrong with eating a diet that looks really like, um, the food guide. Right. (laughs) I think that sometimes, um, when we're so interested in, in making choices, we feel like we have to rebel against that <laughs> to feel like we're really making a choice. But maybe that is exactly what I f- it feels like we need. Yeah. And so maybe eating more vegetables in the moment, like it doesn't taste as good as the whole bag of chips. <laughs> but when we think about eating the vegetables and I mean, I'm using these tropes of like yeah, health and unhealth, which sure I mean, are just symbols. But to, to say like, oh, yeah, eating the broccoli, like maybe it's not it's not the most ultimate delicious thing I could have of all the things that are available, but I feel really good after and during when I'm eating it. Yeah. Yeah. And And so that works for me. A lot of it's just about not doing violence to yourself. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's a great way of saying it. There's so many ways to harm ourselves by, Mm -hmm. by what we eat, by what we don't eat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to ask a couple more questions, but I know we got to let you go. Um, Mm -hmm. but let's, let's, if you can ask this as briefly as possible, or if you can answer this as briefly as possible, we had a lot of questions about couples. She's on, she's on Canadian time. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is only what five Oh seven there. It's getting close to dinner. Um, (laughs) so, you know, as couples, how do we support one another, you know, toward healthier habits in a non-judgmental way? I'm assuming that's similar to, how we deal with our kids as well. Um, but how do we navigate this? This is, a, I think this is a really good question. How do we navigate this mm-hmm. if we're interested in a healthy relationship with food, but our partner isn't? Mm-hmm. Well, how would we re- negotiate it if, if there was anything else that was important to us that wasn't important to our partner? Like, I don't, I don't know if it needs to be a whole separate thing, mm-hmm. except that sometimes people have a little bit more baggage around food, but right. you know, sometimes we were like, Hey, this thing really matters to me. Um, I would love to be able to share in this with you. And, and is that something you're open to? And how could we compromise so that there could be, I know it's kind of my thing right now, but that we could, we could get interested in this together. And maybe that means, you know, that we have more conversations like this, but I really want to know what you're thinking and how, how we could share in something that feels important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think often when we're doing that in, in our relationships, that also means going the other way around where someone is like, well, you know what? I want for you to watch football with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I want you to be kinder when we go visit my family. And you're like, uh, oh, okay. That's a, that's a whole other episode. So, I think. Right. Exactly. That'll be, so that'll be like, in a couple okay, months. We'll get you back God. in a couple months for that. Boy, one. did okay, you open up a can of worms? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think we first of all we get curious and we express concern, and we um, we ask for someone to join us in something that matters to us. 
But I think it's important to do that, especially if we're noticing this discrepancy between how much of a priority eating is for one person versus the other. Like, what are my biases? And and do I have some covert disordered eating stuff here that I'm thinking makes me morally superior because I'm mm. idealizing that as some form of health? Or is there actually something that I could learn from my partner in in their disinterest? And I think getting really curious about that and maybe even having that conversation, like, I, I wanted I want to join in this with you and I want to share the experience of getting thoughtful about what we eat and being mindful. It seems like we might be coming from different angles. Is there anything that you're worried about if that would be a priority or is there anything you're scared about if if that became something we did more? Can you check me if I'm if I'm caring too much about this and it seems unhealthy? Hmm. But well, we had. Sorry, and there also seems to be uh you can't lead a horse to water. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink aspect, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, if if your partner, it seems like if your partner is not interested in healthier eating, I mean, it seems like the more you would try to push them toward that, you know what I mean? Like the the worse right. it would be. I mean, it seems yeah. like I, until they're ready, I'm not sure there's a whole lot you can do. You know, other yeah. other than just sort of put yourself out there and how you're feeling. Right. Yeah. And then I think with you know, with like you said, with how you're feeling with anything that comes up in a relationship, if it feels like something pretty much like what I said, if something's important to you and it's not important to your partner, it would be normal that there would be some tension or conflict or a squeeze. And so how would you talk about that? Right. Yeah. You'd say, Hey, we made a commitment to do this thing, or like this really matters to me and it doesn't seem important to you, and that that makes me want to know more about what is important to you. And, you know, if there, there have already been conversations around and commitments to be interested in, in sharing in goals together or something saying, hey, it hurts me. Like we talked about this and it seems like it matters more to me than it does to you. And and I want to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. What happens if you're from a Midwestern family with a history of emotional repression? <laughs> <laughs> You get a professional in the room. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have one. So if you got another hour and a half or so, we, uh, Brent and I have some stuff to talk That's about. Well, we know what we're talking about next time. Let's Skype right. our family in on we're this. We're going to talk about mommy issues the next time. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. oh, goodness. That's my specialty, both having them and treating them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, this is fa- always, oh, always fantastic. Yeah. It's always a highlight. Uh, we, we love you. We're, we're so fun. It's been fun to watch uh-huh. your journey over the last several years of just how how much exposure you've had and how much there's nothing weirder than seeing you on pete hall's podcast going holy shit (laughs) like (laughs) my god we talked to her four times before pete hall got to her like it's just if you know him can you tell that fucker to answer us back love to have him oh man it's just been you're you're one of the people that needs exposure and we're we're just we're it's been fun to watch yeah you get the exposure you definitely deserve so um, you guys are so supportive and kind. Thank you. And thank you for slumming it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> where where can where can people follow what you're working on? Where, where's the best way to to find more Hillary McBride content? Doctor Doctor yeah. Doctor. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram at Hillary Leanna McBride. Twitter Hillary L McBride. You can find me on my like stuff that I've got coming up for speaking. I know most of it's online right now, but on HillaryLMcBride.com. And I've got a couple books out and I've, my next one's coming out February, 2021. And it's called, this is my body. 
We're not waiting yeah. that long. I, well, I don't know. That that sounds like a good time. Well, that's fine, but we're not waiting that long to have her on. Okay, that's well, almost yeah. a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. We've already done that before. We're not that, doing that. I again. was going to be my follow up question. When when are you? When is your next book coming out? I I really really enjoyed Mothers, Daughters, and Body Image, yep. and that wasn't even like I didn't feel like it was directed at me, but I learned so yeah. much from mm-hmm. it. Thank it was you. so so good. Um, this is a more of like an existential book for all humans about being bodies. Nice. nice. And I will say yeah. that I, I did check our stats. You're, you have two of our top 10 episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, thanks, Still, listeners. I think one's number Thank three you. and one's like number eight or something like that. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. What an honor. Thank you to your <laughs> listeners, to all of you for, for listening and caring. You're, you're above, so you're above Richard Rohr, man. Fuck that guy. Right. Um, <laughs> wow. No, no. Nope. I kid. We want to have Dickie Roar back no, on. He's, no, he's literally, he, I love talking to you. He was literally one of the highlights of my life talking to that dude. He's so such a, um, a wizard. I yeah. Don't know what else yeah. To that's say. a, that's a, he's beyond description word. is what he is. He's a wizard. Yeah. He's yeah. a wizard. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. He's a gentle gnome. <laughs> I think we found our hashtag for the episode. Didn't we? Wonderful. Okay. You know what? I feel like he would so love lucky. that. Yes. Oh man. So thank you so much for coming on. Everyone go check out uh hillarylmcbride.com for all the 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 details on everything you've got going on. So we thank thank you so much for coming on. We really yeah. really Pleasure. appreciate it. So love you guys. Thanks for having me. We love you too. So much. Yep, very much so. so. Now that we can your You can tell us what you the five stars get red. They get red. But one star is dead. 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 Super dead. <clears throat> All right. Feedback. That's no. A, that's a big no. All right. Big old no. Thanks for all the feedback, guys. <laughs> it's been two fucking months. Thanks, guys. Awesome, awesome job. You've doing. been stuck in your goddamn house. You have nothing to do. You can't even leave a fucking five star review. Thanks for two months. I'm actually not listening to as, as many podcasts as I was before. I'm not either, actually. Yeah. yeah. I just haven't. Hmm. I'm not driving so, as much for work. Yeah. Because we, we don't fucking have any work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is that. that. So. Um, Twitter feedback. David Bodine at Bodine underscore David. Wasn't there a NASCAR driver a last name Bodine? I think so. Jimmy Bodine. Jimmy no, Bodine. No, it wasn't Jimmy. Jimmy Bodine. No. Was it David? Was this the NASCAR driver? Bodine? My um, principal oh. at one point was Mr. Bodine. Well Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't I don't know. Ron. It was Ron Bodine. Ron Bodine? Yeah, the NASCAR driver. I think he won Daytona in like ninety three. <laughs> it has to be Ricky. He was how a NASCAR you know driver. Ricky Bodine. Ricky Bodine. How do you know that? Michael, it's it's a fucking it's a joke, Michael. I don't have any idea. Bodine is not an I don't know, Michael. Uh anyway. Jesus. He's so angry. Pastor's podcast. Man. For whatever reason, my favorite part of episode two oh eight was the Matt Meets Chad segment of the show. <laughs> also, Ninja Theology and its theme songs need to make another appearance. Hashtag edging. <laughs> Jeff Bodine is a race car driver, Jeff by Bodine. the way. Jeff Bodine. That's right. I thought yeah. Ricky. No. Did you listen uh, to He had a brother named met- Brett. Did you listen back to when you met Chad on the podcast? I, I don't even remember, man. I <laughs> Hashtag edging, hashtag koans of Dunshire. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, brain dead redhead at Brainless Babble. 
I've been listening to way too much of you guys while driving for work, literally doing like two a day. Jesus Christ. Hashtag oh, show me your tittles. And then hashtag. Wow. I don't even know a what that is fucking Eric Tittle and joke. hashtag get a new bear wife. <laughs> a fucking That's Eric, a long ass time ago. Eric Tittle joke. <laughs> yeah. We should have Eric on the podcast. No. We uh, shouldn't. And then Brain Dead Redhead again said, uh, you guys definitely made me choke on my vape cloud tonight from laughing so hard. Also, another great episode with Hillary McBride. Yep. Hashtag. Hey. Hashtag. Donkey punching God, Yoshi. That is one of our that is one of our top ten <laughs> top ten hashtags, man. Oh. Donkey punching Yoshi. Jeez. Oh uh Eric H. Engdahl at Eric Engdahl. Uh just listen to this week's episode. Really feel like you missed out on hashtag Iceman is now ice cream man. Yeah. And hashtag the new Matt. Man, fuck you guys. <laughs> God. All right, that's it. Are you are you more offended about being compared to Josh Casey or being replaced? Being compared to Josh Casey, it's okay. not even a contest. Yeah, you're right. He's way better. <laughs> okay, I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not doing this with shit, with you guys. Fuck you guys. I'm not doing this shit. God. He's curious. <laughs> Well, we paid close attention and we wrote oh. them all down. Now it's time to decide our hashtags. <clears throat> Hashtag. Someone jerks off in Tuscany. <laughs> Someone's done. Hashtag Wyatt Earp's bastard son. Hashtag. Bill Paxton. <laughs> Hashtag hours of foghorn. <laughs> Hashtag roar is a gentle gnome. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Hashtag spraying their babies. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hashtag ant beaver. Nope. <laughs> Hashtag was, was Spock a dingleberry. Hashtag rusty nuggets. <laughs> Hashtag... Take this pod to Flavortown. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Rotund Lizard. Did that get erased? No. <laughs> That's what came after it. <laughs> Rotund. Rotund is a great word. Uh, Hashtag Pizza Grease and Sand. <laughs> and then hashtag record breaking turd. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, hashtag peanut butter pickle taco. Ugh. Hashtag old wrinkle crotch. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag liquid nitrogen. <laughs> hashtag. Uh, hashtag this room smells like Tuscany. <laughs> hashtag shooting spider webs. Hashtag forest forehand. Hashtag thank you pie filling. I have no idea what that uh, is. It was one of the sponsors. Oh, yeah. One of the nails. Oh, yeah, sponsors. that's right. Yeah. Uh, hashtag Earl Suggs. <laughs> Earl Suggs. Hashtag Hillary McBride brain doctor. <laughs> hashtag gentle gnome. Uh, hashtag flasher. <laughs> he can't get it out. <laughs> flasher ant beaver. <laughs> 
then hashtag what is a goo goo doll? <laughs> I still don't know. I I googled it, couldn't find shit. You goo googled it. I googled it. Googled it. Goo goo doll. Uh, yeah, is that it? That's it. All right, I've got hashtag peanut butter pickle taco. Uh, hashtag like hazelnuts. <laughs> hashtag I sniffed them. <laughs> Hashtag stiffen like a pole. Hashtag butt butter. Hashtag rusty nuggets. Rusty nuggets. Um, hashtag easy access holster. Please tell me you drive Dale Earnhardt's number three. Rusty nuggets. Oh, rusty nuggets. And uh, my favorite, Poonado for <laughs> Attack of the Ass Hams. Poonado for Attack of the Ass did you just fart? Yeah, I did. Uh, oh, man. I like, uh, off of mine, like jerking off in Tuscany. Uh, I like hours of foghorn. That's. that's <laughs> <laughs> I like Rotund Lizard. Or take this pod to Flavortown. That's it. That's it right there. Take this, take this pod, pod to, to Flavortown. Flavortown. That's it right there. There's there's no question. Michael, I'm not even feeling I'm, I'm fine with it. All right, I mean, I do like Rusty Nuggets, but pod to Flavortown's good. Take this pod to Flavortown. All right. Uh, if you listen to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with the hashtag, hashtag take this pod to Flavortown. <laughs> Go ahead and add, uh, what's his name again? Guy Fieri. No. No, don't, don't add, add Guy Fieri. <laughs> no. Uh, we're on Twitter. Can, what is going on? Can Sorry, I was messing up. We're on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. At Paul and Matt. You like that, Michael, Good. when I do God that? damn it. Hold on. Stop it. God, <laughs> fucking mute him. Jesus. All right. Um, well, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. Go to patreon.com slash Pastors Podcast. And that foghorn blues. Oh, wait, it stopped. What did? Us, the, the thing stopped. <laughs> Apparently, it didn't stop. So, is there a way for me to do this? Right, let me <laughs> just do it again. Mike. There we yeah, go. There we go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I got an error message. It didn't stop. I stopped it. Who knows? Anyway, go check out our. Yeah, go. Ingloriousbastards.com, jizzmuzzle.com. Yeah. For everything, uh, glorious bastard. I posted the shit on. What did you do? I posted the beer and shit. Oh, on on Instagram. Yeah. All right. Well, so long. Thanks for all the fish. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad. I think it focused on you, not the beer. So long and